VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, not Patty. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into the program. It's Monday, March the 13th. This is Open Line. I'm your host today, Brian Callahan, and Fonts King is producing the show. If you're in the St. John's metro area, the number to dial is 273-5211. Elsewhere, it's toll-free long distance, 1-888-590-VOCM. Or, of course, if you're punching the numbers, it's 8626. So I'm in the big chair today because, well, everyone else is just too busy. Fonts, apparently. Even fonts, too. If it's, you didn't want to do this, you, you're too busy. Patty's away. Linda Swain's busy. My good childhood hockey buddy Tim Powers is too busy. Fonts, like I said, clearly too busy. Hands going everywhere. I believe they asked a shuttle driver from one of the dealerships out on Canmount Fonts if he could do it. He's too busy. Yeah, well, somebody got to answer the phones here, Somebody too. has to answer the phones. So I understand he's in a... Actually, that was a she. Sorry. So you're stuck with me. And I don't know about you. Did the loss of the hour over the weekend uh, knock you down, affect you in any way? I'll tell you who it didn't knock down or affect. The Brad Gujar rink. I mean, I'd be remiss if I don't start there. That's, uh, it's not like, uh, fifth skip, fifth um, Briar title as a skip. That makes history. So he is the now all-time skip with the most wins at the Briar, most championships. I, I just trying to get your head around it. It's not just that they're one of the best world curling teams in the world. They are now on the top of the heap. You know, Brad still feels like a young guy to me, but the team, between of course, Mark Nichols, E.J. Herndon, who they picked up this year, Jeff Walker. Uh, no Russ there, you know, adding a new member. Absolutely not. And of course, from the Remex Center, I admit, you know, Matt Dunstone looked unstoppable all last week, went undefeated all week until he played Gushu, and then he lost twice. So, you know, uh, hats off in Dubai, so, oh, my God. I don't know what. Uh, they go on to the Worlds now in Ottawa um, next month, I think, April 1st is when the World Championships, the uh, World Curling Championships start in Ottawa. So good luck to the boys up there. Um, there is just a ton of stuff uh, that I could and will get to throughout the morning. If I leave something out that you think is of key importance and I missed the boat totally on it, please call the show and let me know. It's only one way. That's what the lines are there for. If I'm not touching on something that's important to you, I rely on you to call me and tell me about it. Um, of course, the House of Assembly is back today. Uh, we could talk all about what that, the implications, the debates that'll occur. It's, uh, we heard in the news this morning, Brian Medore talking about the obvious um, big topic issues that'll be hitting the floor today, whether it's healthcare, whether it's ambulances, whether it's paramedics, whether it's green hydrogen, whether it's you name it. But there's more than just politics on the go. I'm just going to reel off a bunch of things here, folks. And if you have any one of them means something to you, I want to hear from you today. Fonts and the big voice will give us the phone numbers again. Special Olympics, good morning and congratulations to everyone involved with the Special Olympics in Central over the weekend. It is one of, if you've never been a part of something like that, it is one of the most rewarding, rewarding and, and gives you a whole brighter and you know, significant outlook on life. It's something to be involved with. Special doesn't even begin to, to, to explain the Special Olympics. Um, I could go on and on, but congratulations to all of you out there. We have, of course, from the Special Olympics over the weekend and yesterday, of course, the very sad anniversary of Cougar Flight 491. 
Um, we had the service at Elam Pentecostal, Pentecostal Tabernacle on Camount Road last night, which was live streamed as well. If you want to reflect on the people and that whole industry, and I mean, I heard the um, NL Energy NL's uh, Charlene Johnson talking about how important that industry is still in to Newfoundland and Labrador, but the risks that come with it. So if you want to touch on any of that, um, remembering all of those lost on Cougar 491 today and yesterday and always. And, of course, the lone survivor, Robert Decker, who continues to thrive. And let's see, if you want to talk about, um, well, I could talk sports all day, but um, looking at the World Baseball Championships, I don't know if you want to talk about it. I just noticed Canada knocked off Great Britain. I didn't even know Great Britain had a great team, but it was a lot of their players have taken from ancestry and they look for, you know, any way to connect them so that they can play for their country. And Canada knocked off. Great Britain, 18-8, to eight, one of the highest-scoring results ever. I think it might be the highest-scoring result ever, and it comes from the Canadian team, the Canadian baseball team. A few bigger leaguers on that team, but um, we play U.S. tonight. That'll be a game. The Americans, uh, 11.30 our time. That'll be a doozy. They're playing in Phoenix, Arizona, I believe. And, of course, there's spring training. I'm a big Blue Jays fan. Then there's March Madness if you're a college, U.S. college basketball fan. And, of course, we can get back closer to home. And last week, it would go uh, without saying, there was a, a walk on Saturday for the young man who was assaulted outside Prince of Wales Collegiate last week. Uh, we know the story. You know, some of these stories, they, they happen late in a week, and it's important to bring them back to the front and back to the fore on a Monday morning because they easily get lost. Some people rely on that news cycle. You know, you'll see often politicians will drop a news release or bad news on a Friday afternoon, or not just politicians, but if there's bad news, it normally comes out on a Friday because more often than not, by Monday, people forget about it. Or at least, you know, people who are not as affected by it, so it goes off the radar and it gets lost in the in the fray. But if you want to bring up and discuss what was pretty a pretty scary situation, if you've got kids in high school and junior high and, and any schools, really, you, you're always wondering. I mean, there's the... There's just, uh, you know, so much going on with kids these days and so much going on with families in schools. And you just don't know when something might blow up. And last week there was an incident, not saying they always happen like that, but um, that they're becoming more frequent. But what do you think? Should there be more security around schools? Should there be, you know, should we turn into a, uh, a metal kingdom where it's screening and police and security and everyone else you want to see and you got to go through a device when you get to the school? They have them in the courts. But we don't want to really want to get our schools to that point, do we yet? I don't know. I don't know if it's come to that. It's certainly an eye-opener last week that these things can happen, of course. We know they can happen. And sometimes we know they are happening. They just don't always make headlines. And they don't generate news conferences with the RNC, you know, reminding people and, and, um, and looking for help still. Any uh, video or anyone else, and uh, as RNC said last week, if you, you may not want to file a formal complaint, but there's lots of ways that you can pass on information. If you know it's credible and you know it's, a, it's key to this particular investigation, I think I, at least we understand now, thank goodness, the, uh, the young man is recovering and uh, doing pretty well. Some social media posts there and his mom was posting as well. So, uh, But again, it calls for a, a deeper dive, probably a little bit of a look at uh, what we're doing in our schools and whether or not there's enough security and we're prepared to respond to those moments, those incidents in a moment's notice. And then, of course, we had uh, last week the sentencing hearing for the gentleman accused in those two random break-ins in the center of the city and in the East End. 
that was last year, and uh, the gentleman would be sentencing went on, the hearing went on last week. He's due to be sentenced this Friday coming, Justin Haynes. His, uh, the other gentleman who was accused in that is going to trial in Supreme Court, and that'll happen next year. And let's see, what else have I got on the plate? Again, if you have anything at all that you want to share, you just um, give us a call here. I'm filling in for Patty Daly today, uh, and again, everyone else is just too busy. I think we might have the premier shortly. Uh, coming up, he's a busy man, been traveling. You may have seen him on the London Stock Exchange floor a couple of weeks ago. And a lot of things discussed there with the House of Assembly coming back today. I heard David Brazel today, the opposition leader, listing their priorities and stuff that they want to see um, be an issue on the floor today. And I mean, of course, with the budget coming up and um, shopping our debt on, on the London Stock Exchange there should be no shortage of fireworks this afternoon. I believe Ben Murphy is going to cover our House of Assembly for us this afternoon, which would be great to have Ben back. And um, I look forward to uh, his interpretation of what happens in the House today. And I don't know if you saw the story in the weekend with the dolphins around Hearts Delight Islington, but that's always a troubling picture, hey, to see. I mean, it's nature, and people say mortality in nature, but, you know, it's still uh, a little bit jarring to watch them. And, you know, we think of dolphins and porpoises, the cute Mammals that we see at SeaWorld or anywhere, which has really become a uh, 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 something that people don't want to see these days, really. You know, whether it's a circus or, a, or an enclosure that any mammals or animals might be living in. But in any event, um, this event on the weekend, there was about 15 dolphins, we understand, in the beginning that were spotted around Friday morning. And, of course, then uh, everyone sprung into action, right, like a community does like this. They just, uh, from the fire department and DFO showed up and the locals, and they came up with ways that they thought they could at least try to save, but it's it's almost a fool's errand sometimes, you know. I mean, they're in that tight ice and the jagged edges of the ice, and they're up against the shore, and it's freezing, and the water is splashing, and there was some videos showing the power of the ice in the water when it starts to push and, and sort of collect near shore. So anything like that, you could just imagine. They wouldn't stand a chance normally, but um, they have their own animal, mammals and their own ways of dealing with this. Apparently, they were feeding offshore and got pushed in by the ice. So um, Wayne Ledwell and his crowd with the whale release group, and uh, not just whales, of course, but they spring in action as well on these sorts of things, and they managed to move some of the dolphins away, move them some out to further out to shore, out to sea, and then others they managed to um, move nearby to White Way and, and release them into open water. But they don't see a lot. They think a few might have perished. But again, if you want to talk about how we respond to those and whether or not you know, these aren't, these dolphins, of course, you know, we don't often think of dolphins in our waters, but they, um, these particular white-beaked dolphins are pretty common around our waters. So this happens and it's hard to see, but it's nature. And if there's anything you'd like to comment on that or anyone from out there that was involved with that this weekend, they'd like to give us a call and tell us what it was actually like to try to get in the water and get them, I think they put them on um, skidoo sleds and then fill those with water and then put the mammals in the back of the truck and then truck them all the way. It's just amazing, you know, to see the effort and the ingenuity and things that people will come up with to be able to, to jump in action and take care of them when it comes up. So let's see. And other than that, if you have something, as I said, that's on your mind, hoping to talk to uh, Jeff Budden in a little while about as well where the RC Church bankruptcy proceedings are. Um, we know that they've gone through... Most of the properties belonging to the RC Church, going back through um, properties around the Avalon Peninsula and the Buren Peninsula to raise money to settle claims, sexual abuse claims against victims of the former Mount Cashel Orphanage. 
So they've uh, been working their way through all the school, pro- uh, the church properties, and now they're into the schools. And we understand, at least at this point, that uh, they may be trying to come to some kind of um, uh, agreement. On, on it, it gets tangly. You're getting into real estate. You're getting into the ownership of not just the buildings but the properties and, the, and what kind of facilities are on those properties and what they're worth. Because ultimately, they have to raise enough money to, at this point, the court has agreed and, and all sides have agreed to settle claims that could total over $50 million. And hoping to talk to Jeff, too, Jeff Budden, who represents a lot of these victims, about uh, proceedings now in British Columbia, where uh, we're going to go through it all again, by the looks of it. Uh, they've cleared the way for, for um, claims to be settled with the same men out in British Columbia, who some of them who may have been shipped out there, others who are victims that were exposed to it out there. That's going to be another, another chapter, sad, sad chapter in that book. So uh, let's see. Fonts, how are we doing on the phones, buddy? Come see, come saw. Okay. So looking forward to your calls today. Remember, uh, email and Twitter and Facebook and socials are great, but it's called Open Line for a reason. So um, we'll be taking your calls on any of those subjects I just threw at you. And anything else you want to talk about here on a Monday morning on Open Line, we'll be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. I'm Brian Callahan sitting in for Patty Daly this morning on this Monday morning. And, you know, uh, <laughs> brace yourselves. It's, um, you know, when you're on a show like this and out of, out of the blue and filling in for someone. And you might have a few slow calls because people are not quite into it yet. And uh, a lot of people are used to talking to Patty. You can always rely on your mom. On line three is my mom. Good morning, mom. Hi, Brian. You told me to call in. <laughs> but uh, what Isn't I will say, I want to congratulate the Grosso team. I was watching it all weekend. It's a great sports weekend for TV. I love it. My mom is into sports more than I am. Actually, she knows more about it than I am. You're more on, uh, on, it, on the score calling me before it's even happened. So, uh, Mom, uh, you know, what, was, um, what was the highlight of you for you for the uh, Briar title game yesterday? Uh, winning the Briar <laughs> for the fifth time. <laughs> Absolutely, and not just the, like and, and now more Briar titles than anyone else. I mean that. Well, yeah, it could have been anybody's game. I mean, all the top teams, you know, but they pulled it out again. So that's about all. <laughs> Mom, well, I can't tell you how much it. I appreciate you calling in. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure everybody's having yeah. having a good laugh at this. But you know, when all else fails, if you don't have you know your mom's not there and she's there to support you, God love her. So thanks, mom. Yeah. Okay, well, have a great morning, okay. and I'll uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. That's my mom. Let's go to line one, Charlie. You're on the air. That's good. That's pretty good. I think I think you're the first one to have to have your mom call in first. <laughs> that's that's great. Got a few firsts. I don't know if they've all been good firsts, but I've accomplished a few firsts in my life. I, no, it's always great to have mom call. I mean, you know, can't go wrong. Yeah. Who's going to criticize, you know, I mean. I'd, I'd like to add to it. I watched the game last night. Uh, 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 that guy has got to be classed as one of the best uh, sportsmen ever come out of uh, Newfoundland. It's phenomenal, the shots and, and the consistency of that team. It's, it's something else to watch, you know. Yeah, Charlie, and, you know, when you look at how, as I mentioned earlier, how Dunstan played all week, you kind of wonder because they were in different pools and they didn't play each other until Saturday night when they had to. 
And, of course, that went down to the wire. I mean, Brad had to steal a point there, but you, you said it. The consistency is incredible. I mean, you watch curling matches all the time, and I watch them, and, you know, I mean, there's a few here and there, but you just got the feeling no one was going to make an error. Like, who was going to make And, of course, then they scored that big three in the eighth last night. And yeah, yeah. It almost felt like Finland back at the Olympics that time when, you know, once they broke it open, you kind of knew, but you weren't. You didn't want to get too excited too quickly, but you knew it was coming. And the closer they got, boy, you could see it in there. Uh, and to do it with a new member, you know, like just it's not yeah, no yeah. small thing to add, add a, a you know a, a new member who can either make the chemistry better or it can you know totally upend it. But uh, that didn't happen in this case. They played as good as I've ever seen them. And Brad threw that injury that everybody knew he had early on in the week, and it went away. And the next thing you know, he was. Oh, it's just incredible. What an accomplishment. It's world-class. They are the best curling team in the world right now. And I know there are some around Europe that might, and other teams that might have a challenge to that. But until somebody knocks them off, we'll see what happens at the Worlds. Hey, bye. Yes. Well, I'd like to say, too, they're, they're a fine gentleman. I, I always see a great de de demeanor there, win or lose, the way they congratulate each other on good shots. And when the poor shot is made, they console each other. I... I, I think they're, they're, they're so great as, as, as people, you know. But anyway. Yeah, and the sports psychology, like you just said, they thank each other or they, uh, they congratulate each other. They're always positive. You know, sports psychology is such a big part of it, too. You saw Dunstone looked absolutely dejected on Saturday night. His head was down in his hands for about 10 or 15 seconds. His coach had to go out and remind him that you can't. This can't be a negative place, you know. This is this is yeah. the rink, so it's amazing. And then last night, watching Mark Nichols with his kids too, who were up for the first time. The two boys were there. That yeah. was pretty special too. Hey. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, go to something else. I was mentioning um, there was talk about uh, very few Atlantic salmon on, in South Coast rivers. Right. Uh, the same thing has happened out uh, in the Pacific uh, Northwest. Mm -hmm. As water, I, I know there's other factors, predation and so on. As water warms up, salmon cannot take that. It affects the breeding. Uh, this is well known. And you'll notice that salmon in Labrador are very healthy. Uh, the, the northern peninsula, they're in the Gulf, but they, they do get cold water coming down from those mountains from melting snow and that too, right? Right. So... I think we have to look at warming water as one of the main factors, not only the uh, farm salmon uh, outfits down there, but uh, I think this will come out to lobster or something like that. The last few years, as it warmed, uh, lobsters were abundant on, on, the, on the south coast and also in the Gulf. And um, Maine used to be not as good, and when the water warmed up there, the, the lobsters moved from... Uh, the southern part of New England towards Maine, it became. So you can see water temperature has different effects on different different species, and uh, we have to be uh, really well aware of this, and, and uh, I don't know if we can do much about it at this stage, but anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. No, absolutely, and we all know. I mean, you know, we get those yearly reports on water levels, river levels in the province, and it's always concerning. If they're down and the water's warm, It's uh, they can't even climb, right? They're not getting up those ladders, and they're not spawning, and they're... It's, you know, it's a, it's a cyclical thing we used to think, and now it just thinks, seems to be happening more often. You know, I mean, global warming and climate change is, is, is real. It's here. It's happening. And you hear every day about different solutions that people are coming up with, scientists, to, uh, to reverse the trend even. I almost worry about that, Charlie, because, you know, if we find a way to somehow reverse it, 
or, or think that we're reversing it and we're, we're, we believe we're reversing it and it's all done artificially that, uh, you know, these crazy science uh, breakthroughs that they seem to be coming through that try to, re- to reverse, say, the, the, the opening of the ozone and that sort of thing. I almost worry about that because then we become too complacent. We fall back into our own ways, you know. But right now, it's while we believe it's urgent, it seems like, you know, people are actually acting. But if that ever goes away, and we see it every, all the time, the warming of the waters, it's changing. Our climate, it is changing. So we better get used to it. And I know we're a little late to the game on salmon and everything else, really. But, you yeah. know, we can rely on the science, although there are those who don't even rely on that. So you almost got to rely on the angler. Oxygen levels and warm water, we, can, we, 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 yeah. we know the connection there. But anyway, the, the main thing I wanted to speak about was uh, what happened at Fox uh, over the last week. I often wondered if those guys like uh, <laughs> Hannity and, and uh, oh, the main guy. Uh, uh, Carl, uh, Tucker. Tucker. Tucker Carlson. I wondered if they, if they understood the difference in, 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 in or believe what they were saying, because the facts, of course, were all opposite to what they were saying. And it came out that they all knew that, that the election wasn't stolen, and, and they knew that what Trump was telling was lies. But because of their supporters, the base that Trump has, and that was mainly their audience, they, they had to stay with that. So it was a deliberate uh, uh, thing with them, an obfuscation or whatever you want to call it. And they're still doing it. So it's amazing uh, that they can get away with it. So I'm glad Dominion challenged them, and uh, it looks like they're going to win that court case, and Fox will lose uh, billions. There's so many people, even in our province, that uh, look at Fox as a be-all and end-all. And then there's a lot of people who say, well, all, all stations are the same, like Russell Brand did on, 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 on Bill Murray's show. They're not all the same at all. Uh, the other stations, if they get things wrong, they, they apologize. These are professional people, and they do get things wrong sometimes. But when you're out there deliberately telling lawyers when you know the difference, that's, that's a propaganda station. Charlie, the Fox situation that you're talking about, in case people don't realize, this is Fox Network uh, anchors and, and commentators were yes. o- openly um, spreading, well, or at least consenting to the lies of and everything that was happening on January the 6th and, and, uh, and promoting it. And, and it shows now that they knew the difference. And yet they still did it. I can't imagine how they you know, live with in their minds, as you said, if they actually knew what they were doing. It turns out they did know what they were doing. So it just makes you, it yeah. boggles the mind. Well, just just one 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 further comment. It's it's infected people up here because, as I said, I, I know at least two when I attended high school with who, who lives in Alberta. He said to me on a phone call, uh, Fox, uh, great news. He said, those, those other stations are crazy. And uh, we kind of got into it because I couldn't believe what he was saying. And then another guy the other day I was having a conversation with around here, and uh, he used to watch the news, and he he said, Charlie, I don't watch it anymore. And I said, why is that? He said, "Uh, because they all lie. And this is all part of that thing about the fake news that uh, Trump sent out there. But, you know, the problem is not with uh, Trump per se. It's with uh, there's millions of people in the States and lots of them here in Canada who can't critically think 
they can't uh, 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 tell the difference between when somebody's lying and what they're saying is, is out to lunch. Uh, Mussolini did it. Hitler did it. All authoritarian figures do it. Putin is doing it. And unfortunately, it's it's infected us here in the Western world. Yeah, well, Charlie, you know, and we got to wrap it up here because i got a couple of callers waiting. But, okay. you know, we all know that there are leaders and followers, and pe- certain people need leaders and seek out and want and when they align with or when they're easily led, let's say that, uh, even then when they don't even have views and they're easily led and whoever the leader is, 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 uh, is bolsterous and, and, you know, loud and, and, you know, gesticulations going all over the place. You know, when they, when they make a presence and they make a stand, some people are easily led and a lot of people are easily led. Our schools, our, our schools are, are, are largely to blame, not only in Newfoundland, but across the world. We don't uh, assist people or help people to think critically, and we don't do enough about what's happening in the world today. It's too much, too much to say past. Mm. Anyway. I think it, that, that's a generalization. I know some great schools and some great teachers and some kids who are lapping it up and soaking it up and will be great leaders someday. But, but I, it's I not get. I, you, you, I, I know some teachers too in some classrooms who do that. What I'm talking about is the whole system. Uh, it, 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 look, I taught there. It does not happen. I spoke to my son who's teaching in, in a St. John school. It does not happen on a, on a systemic basis. When you have to depend on, on a few people to do that on their own in the classrooms, you're not going to get it done, Brian. I hear you, Pat. Charlie. Thanks so much. Okay, okay sir. have a great day. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Let's go to line three. Quick, Funts. Who we got on line three? Go ahead. You're on the air. Yo, good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Good morning, sir. Who am I speaking to? You're speaking to Reg, my buddy. Reg, how are you on Monday? You sound like you're driving. You're hands-free? I'm hands-free, yes, sir. I'm uh, just on my way now uh, across the island, actually. Oh, nice. Anyway, uh, I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> I love road trips, but go for it. Uh, there's lots of topics I could have uh, touched on this morning, but, you know, I'm an old curling fan from way back, and uh, I don't even want to say how far back, but I don't know. Now. <laughs> I don't know. Now. All right, bye. I'm up there, too. I say, I don't know if you're a curling man yourself, but uh, anyway, after last night, my son, I'm going to tell you now, I was on, uh, on pins and needles, not, not only last night, all since it started, because Brad... I mean, uh, he won that much, and by God, you know, Brian, I think all of Newfoundland this morning should be overwhelmed with the, the way those fellows play. I mean, you know, coming from a province the size of Newfoundland and taking on the likes of uh, Dunstone, like last night, and Cooey. Yeah. And, and Manitoba, and, like the powerhouse, you know? Exactly. I mean, my God, my God. But I mean... It was a tough game. I mean, uh, he had a tough game all, all through, you know. But he, I got to commend them. I mean, and not only uh, Brian, I mean, the, the rest of the boys, you know, uh, they're all included. But uh, I just want to say congratulations, right, my son. Uh, you know, you guys are super, super duper. Rangers. I said, I'm oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I said, said, you know, when you see, like, the likes of Arden, Arden boys, I mean, the brothers there last night. I mean, now, you know, EJ playing with, uh, yeah. with Fred and uh, Brian playing with uh, Dunstone and, uh, you know, crying there when they're, you know, embracing each other with their dad. It's amazing. But yeah. I just wanted to throw that out and say, and I want to say something to Premier Fury. You know, Premier, when they come, when they win the, the, the World Cup, 
I think we should declare Newfoundland and Labrador a holiday for the boys. Now, that's all I can say. It's funny. <laughs> we'll so, get no argument for me. We can do one for the Olympics. We can do one for the world. Uh, yeah, right. And, Reg, I appreciate that. I appreciate the call. You know, there is no question. There's a lot going on, but we should celebrate huge, monumental victories for this province when, when, our, when our own go up and show that they're the best in the world, simply put. And, well, you know, that last night was, that, was, that was on display. They bided their time. They had a game plan, and they pulled it off perfectly. They did what they accomplished. They didn't go to blow them out. They just, let's win it, and they did it, and it's just amazing. Well, it just goes to show, I mean, professional, a class in itself. I mean, the best in the world as far as I'm concerned, and we got to be pretty mighty proud. But after saying that, now listen, you uh, you have a good morning, and take care of the people that's calling in. I'm sure you can do a good job. <laughs> I appreciate the vote of confidence, Reg. What? I said I'm flying by the seat of my pants, but I appreciate the vote of confidence. Ah, don't worry about it. Listen, <laughs> you get confused. Just say like what Albert Broly used to say, am I out to lunch? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brian, have a good one, my friend. Take care, and we'll talk again for sure. You too. Safe trip across the province. Thank you, sir, and have a good one. All right, Reg, thanks very much. And let's see. Yeah, we got a few callers on the line. Fonts all looking good. We're going to take a short break uh, an open line. I'm Brian Callahan fitting in for Patty Daly today. We'll be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Uh, this is Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on this Monday morning. Let's go right to Daryl online too. Daryl, you're on the air. Good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Good morning, sir. For a Monday, fair to Midland. How about yourself? Oh, number one. And you're uh, in you're in Lab West, are you? Yes, sir. I am in Labrador City. How's the weather? First of all. Oh, the weather is perfect. Uh, we got about minus 10 and it's uh, sunny. So it's getting close to back to normal as opposed to the, the warm up there a couple of a week or so ago. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's beautiful weather. Great. Great for walking. What's on your mind, Daryl? Uh, first of all, I want to congratulate uh, the Gusho Rink. And as yes, you sir. know, Mark Nichols is yes, sir. Uh, locally, locally grown from Labrador City. That's right, he is. And, and uh, I want to offer congratulations to them and wish them good luck in the, in the world. But my reason for calling this morning is uh, your channel, uh, your station, yes. the OCM. Yep. Since last summer, and I live down in, the, in my cabin in the summertime, and I don't even have a TV, so I just listen to uh, the OCM, and especially the Open Line Show. And... Uh, we keep getting interrupted by this uh, religious channel. And I got nothing against religion. If, if you want religion, fine, you, you can turn on to that channel. But I'm listening to Patty Daly. I don't want to be interrupted with uh, with praise the Lord music and and uh, and talking and what have you. So uh, it's been going on since last uh, summer, and I've called in I'd say 25 times and. The technicians get on it and they and they fix it. But yesterday during the uh, the Newfoundland music uh, show, it uh, cut in and it's still on, and that's 24 hours later. And I'm wondering if the VOCM can do anything uh, about uh, stopping that process because I think it's lack of service to 
to Labrador West on uh, on that uh, open line show or any any show, I guess, uh, from VOCM. But we're, as I understand it, our our advertisers are paying VOCM for their uh, for their station. And uh, we are certainly not getting the service. Daryl, I do apologize, although I am told in my ear and, and to the side here that we have an engineer that is looking into that very issue. So you'll be relieved to know that. And I think it was happening before your call. But if it's, if it's because of the call, too, who cares as long as it gets fixed? Um, you know, I mean, to each their own for programming. I hear you. Uh, but, you know, as it a uh, commercial radio station and there is paid advertising and there are regular shows that we have that we get regular great feedback on and they might not ever be everyone's cup of tea but um there's always something for someone in their cup of tea whether you take it black or That's milk right. and sugar uh, you know uh, what i mean i mean i i listen to the open line five days a week and uh and i don't miss it and it really really bothers me when i get when i when we lose it now sometimes when i call in the technician the boys will pass it on to the technician, and it does get fixed uh, relatively quick. You know, probably twenty minutes or half hour later. Right. But then I got the t- I got the radio turned off because I just I just don't want to listen to that yeah. stuff. And uh, and uh, so unfortunately, I lose my entertainment. Yeah. Well, that, I'm sorry to hear that you're turning it off. The last thing we want you to do is be turn off your radio, especially being a radio. <laughs> yeah, station. you don't want. You don't want the radio station don't want you turned off. No, and on top of that, we all know, and we've seen the value of radio coming out of the pandemic, and, and, you know, it's Snowmageddon. You know, you got a radio crank or some batteries. If you're out without your radio, you're in hard shape. So being in Lab West, I get a lot of, uh, we get a lot of uh, information from uh, local callers on the island. Yes, uh, yep. You know, I'm originally from the island, and, and, you know, we we find their stories entertaining and their their comments and their complaints and everything else and uh, and we're just not getting that on this other channel and uh, and it really ticks me off so that's why i said i would call in this morning rather than just leave it to the technicians well i'm glad you did because one way or the other it's great to bring it to the fore and just remind people that it is happening and even for others who were wondering maybe and didn't know and have just been content with the you know putting up with whatever they're putting up with it's good to know that, first, it is an issue. It concerns you, and you're turning your radio off, so we don't want that. And other people will know that it's being worked on. So I've told an engineer is at it, and hopefully, in short order, it will get rectified. Yeah, if they can uh, stop it all together, you know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I say, this is a year, almost a year now that this has been going on. And I've heard other people complain yeah. about it, but nobody's ever called in about it. So yeah. I said, well... Maybe that's what you need to do. It's like calling government. You kind of got to rattle the cage maybe sometimes, no matter what it is. <laughs> right on. Look, uh, I Any appreciate else? it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks for calling, buddy. Right. And uh, great to hear you from Lab West. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to hear the rest of your show. Uh, so you get a- <laughs> okay, well, we're getting on that uh, ASAP toot sweet. Okay, thanks, bud. Thanks, Daryl. Right. Bye-bye. All righty. Fonts, where are we going? Line number one, Dave Callahan. No relation that I know of. How you doing, Dave? Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good, sir. I know I have, you know, my dad's from Cornerbrook, the West Coast. Um, originally, yeah, Petrie's area. Right? Yes, that was Bill. And uh, brother, Sean. And my older brother, Sean, and loved yeah. fishing out there on the West Coast. Uh, there might be some lineage. relationship, I'm not sure what it is, though, Brian. I think it's like, I think my dad was your your father's first or second cousin 
Right. Okay. Well, I haven't even looked into it that now. Funnily enough, uh, my dad passed away last year, had 90 good years out of it, and he has a book, three quarters written about the West Coast and Cornerbrook and the history, which, uh, you know, we're working on it. It's fascinating, Dave, and I'm sure people like yourself, anyone else from, from the West Coast would be, fa- would be, uh, will be interested to read the inner sanctums Definitely. of that book. That's going to be, there's a lot of stuff I never knew and historical things like Connor's. It's, it could have been Connorsbrook, but it turned out to be Cornerbrook, and there's a good story behind that even. And we don't have a G. I don't have a G in the name. That's the way I know we might be related. <laughs> yep, uh, I don't have a G either, and uh, the own the apostrophe is gone. I guess we've been out of Ireland too long. Yes, and that was the other. Patrick O'Callaghan used to run the hotel down there, downtown. Yep. And uh, do you spell O'Callaghan a couple of different ways with the G and without? That's right. It uh, and, changed uh, over the years. it's been anyway. removed for too long. Yeah, maybe we should go back. Yeah. Nostalgia. <laughs> So you yeah. want to talk lack of respect in politics. I'm fascinated. Dave, go over. Well, i got to tell you, it's an observation, I guess, that not only I, I'm sure it's not a revelation or anything, but over the past number of years, I've watched the role of politician go from what were in my house in earlier days, because my, my dad was quite involved in politics back in the 70s, a politician showing up was, my God, you you know, you were on your best behavior, you showed nothing but respect, and you respected the position, and expected that probably that they were there as your 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 arm in government that would represent you and and do everything that was required, shall we say, to run a not only a town but a province and a country. I've watched. A downward slope, and to me it's a scary one. I've always been a bit of a political pundit myself. And I've watched the role of politician go from one of respect to then a depletion of respect, and now to many people, issues of non-trust. They just do not trust politicians. Now, we can say, like, did every politician cause this? Are they responsible for this? And it's, you know, I'll argue with anybody that says that this, that this, uh, this mindset doesn't exist. But I think it's something that politicians in government, politicians in opposition, no matter what, if you're wearing a political stripe and you serve a political role, It's very much your responsibility now to bring back a level of respect and a measure of trust to the public by by action, I guess, because it's been actions of different types. The state of the economy has certainly fallen. I mean, we've become a very pricey place to live. We've seen so many government... I guess, new ways of doing things that agree or disagree, they were, they've been different, everything from the Emergencies Act to our current state of inflation. Everybody's got an opinion on it. It's a lot of them differ. But the one thing that seems to be galvanized amongst most people now is a lack of trust and a lack of respect for politicians in general. So, Dave... 
topic is extremely timely, obviously. The House of Assembly convenes uh, this afternoon. I'm just getting word, too, the Prime Minister is coming to the province this week as well for an announcement. But, you know, I think also, Dave, we have short memories. I mean, the, the topic, this issue that you're bringing up, we could speak for days on. I think sometimes it's short memories. We've had, you know, mistrust before in politicians, and it crests and it ebbs and it flows and all over. I think, though, you know, when coming out of the pandemic, um, that didn't help. You know, the conspiracy theorists, uh, in many ways, fueled a lot of the distrust that you're talking about. And, and politicians don't do themselves any favors either by doing things behind closed doors. I mean, how much, how many times do we have to say it? Look, if you're open and honest and transparent about it, which we hear the words all the time, but yet then we circle back to this yeah. report, this report staying under wrap and that reports. And there's reasons for that. There's commercial this and commercial that. You know, we look at the Green Report that two years ago now came out. And, you know, just the fact that this port report existed and we couldn't see all of it, then it blew up into mistrust. You know, there was just no. So I agree with you. It's it's certainly at an all time high right now. And it doesn't help that, you know, we're exposed to a lot of the American politics and what's going on there. And that's just a cesspool right now yep. with everything, whether it's Fox News or whether it's uh, the issues of you know, who knows what will come out of half the indictments that are facing against Trump and whether or not he'll even be legally allowed to make another run for the presidency, God helps. But in any event, it, you know, they do it to themselves. It gets worse and worse in the pandemic and other issues that have happened recently, whether it's science, the mistrust just, you know, balloons into something where, you know, everybody's tired with that same stripe, you know? And there are good politicians. There are people who go in with the best intentions Yes, and then are. they get almost like they get contaminated with it. They get, they get this, the, the stink of the legislature on them, if you will. And the next thing you know, you know, we've seen in the past, you go in with the greatest intentions and then there's entitlements and other things that you get wrapped up in. And there's perspective, too, in context. Because when you have a premier or a prime minister who's traveling the world and sees the global picture, but we don't see that global picture and they're speaking from that context, sometimes it gets lost. You know, that's a lost in translation thing. You know, we just had the, the premier and the finance minister and, you know, the health minister has been traveling. We've got a lot of traveling politicians, too, which is something we can talk about if anyone wants to. Um, ish, uh, a trip to the United States into New York for our education minister. You know, there's a lot of traveling going on, and I get it. We have to promote ourselves, but, you know, we got to try to take fiscal responsibility important, too, with the budget coming up. But I hear you, and I think, you know, a lot of people are in the same boat they're tuning out or they're just losing all faith in, in many politicians. And you make it makes no wonder why sometimes we don't get the best and brightest to step forward and, and put their hat in the ring, you know? Well, I guess it gets to the point where, as you've alluded to before, we have taken on a very Americanized form of politics. I mean, whereby one time you paid attention to or you looked at a party's platform and each individual plank in the platform and how it affected your life and what you would like to see and like to to promote as a, as a way forward and that has gone from that to uh never mind my plan look at the dirt i dug up on buddy mm. or, or or look at how you don't want this person because and they've taken the focus off of themselves sometimes to hide uh, the fact that they're probably incapable of serving the job properly and tried to basically impose just a more negative thought about 
a vote the running mate or a vote the person that's mm. that's 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 running for him. I, I think that years ago we lost a great opportunity here because it was kind of around the time that American Americanized politics started, and that was when basically we started allowing basically I guess the the personal attacks and the, and, and the the issues to come to to public light, let's say on, on public officials and their family lives and stuff like that, which certainly not should not be part of, of the picture at all. I mean, if the person's not a a known criminal or whatever the case may be, then uh, they have the right to serve the job and could probably do so very well. A lot of people will choose not to because they don't want any of the, I guess, rhetorical stink to roll back on their family and their family lives. So we need now to to start taking a look at who expects us to put the X in that box for them. Look at the plan that they have, things that are tangible to you in your area. I mean, my God, knowing since the state of the economy and where we find ourselves as, as a people in Canada now and having to move forward under the huge economic chances that we have to take and the big deficits that we're carrying now and the future for our children and our grandchildren is in our hands right now. Well, Dave, I got to get to a break, but uh, that's a perfect line to leave it on. I will say this. You mentioned, you know, when you're about to tick the box and politicians have plans, best made plans of mice and men, you know, you know, the way the old saying goes, they have great intentions, but uh, whether they can follow through with it and get out of the way of themselves once they get in there, you know, we know there's great work goes on in government beyond the politics, but it so often gets tainted by the things that are being done out individually by a member or what not being done by a member. And all of that gets lost. into meanwhile, the machinations of government go on. Dave, I appreciate your call. Got to get to a break. Thanks. Have a great Monday. Thank you, Brian. And great first show. And congratulations to you. Second show, but hey, who's counting? Okay, second <laughs> show. <laughs> all right. Thanks again, Dave. <laughs> all right, off to the breaks. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. This is Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on a Monday. Let's go to Betty on line three. Good morning, Betty. Yes, good morning, Brian. How are you this morning? Uh, well, not too good. Sitting here having a coffee this morning and thinking about that man that got a call about mm-hmm. his mom yeah. in that long-term home in Botwood. Uh, just... Betty, just quickly, just so I can remind people, we had a a gentleman on this morning. This is another incident that we are being told of an assault on a senior, an elderly senior in long-term care. Uh, This time, a gentleman's mother, 83-year-old mother, I believe, this morning we heard. And just horrible, attacked in her sleep overnight. Um, Don't know who and how, but this is the second one in a week. So I just wanted to remind the listeners what we're talking about. Go ahead, Betty. Oh, yes, I understand all that. But just sitting here wondering, uh, like, security. Uh, one time there was security in that home in Bowood, but I, as far as I can understand, since they retired, there's no security guards there. Like, if we had more security in those homes, walking the halls where the girls are overworked, like every other situation in hospitals and everything else, like, people are can only do what they can do, but like they took the security guards out 
that should be probably replaced because, I mean, say, they can help in a lot of those situations. They can be walking the halls more where the girls are overworked. And, uh, like, sitting here this morning and just thinking, like, uh, it could be me tomorrow. Like, we're all growing old. We're all going to end up in those places at a time and a point. But, like, uh, the government should really have uh, more security in those homes, especially those locked-down uh, Alzheimer's. Like, you know, like, to me, it just blows my mind to see that our health care is going down every day, and especially those in those long-time care homes like we need security more security and give the girls a break that's they're trying to do what they can do and probably uh, some of those incidents might happen uh, god forbid i don't know the situation but my heart do go out to those families for those two incidents to get calls about their loved ones that they hopefully think they're cared for in the best uh they're you know it just i'm just done there this morning. Betty, anyway, it, I just it, wanted to pass my opinion. Absolutely, and that's what, it, that's what we are here for. And I mean, Betty, it's absolutely, there's nothing, very few things are as horrid as, you know, whether it's your mom or your dad or your grandmother, your, just it, it, the elderly who are as vulnerable, especially in the Alzheimer's situations, and it, it, they're as vulnerable as they can get. And to know that it's already heart-wrenching enough that your loved one is in there and you're away from, you don't get to see them regularly, you're having trouble communicating because, you know, their condition might be worsening. And then to find out that they're exposed to this when you're not there, it just, I can't imagine. I had my mom on earlier this morning and my mom's in her 80s and doing great at home and we're all, we all should be so fortunate, but, you know, uh, my father was in long-term care for a while, and we were very fortunate that he could be in long-term care, and he was taken care of incredibly well. Can't say enough uh, for the people who looked after our dad, but uh, to know that this goes on, and Betty, you can almost, dollars to donuts, these aren't the only two incidents that uh, are happening. You know, we all know, it's just like what gets reported and what actually is happening and what's happening without us knowing is, is two different things, and I'm not suggesting that there's widespread abuse going on in long-term care throughout the province, but we know these happen. We know there's not great security everywhere. We know there are staffing shortages. We know there are stressed healthcare professionals throughout the system who have their own personal stuff going on, let alone the day job, so or the night job, or the overnight job, and their long shifts. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, it takes incidents like this, as horrible as the pictures, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine if that was my mom or dad, and, and to see the pictures and the stuff that's happening, you know, these are real incidents and they have to be taken seriously. And I couldn't agree more. We need some, it's unfortunate it's reactive, but, um, you know, we've seen it in central Canada as well in Quebec with the issues they had in long-term care and the, and the, the, the investigations going on there, you know, they're the most vulnerable and it can be easily, you know, sometimes you get into a job and the vast majority of the staff working in these long-term care homes have the greatest of hearts and greatest of intentions but we all know it's not perfect, and there are lapses in the system throughout, and this stuff can happen, and it's just, you know, if this doesn't get some action, then you wonder what can get action from, uh, from the authorities when, when you see something like this. Everybody can relate. Oh, definitely, but I mean, say, with no security there, like, if a bad incident happens, like, it's only the workers there to look after it, there's no security there to come and help, like... I think they should really consider putting the security back into that home there 
and the hospital there. Like, you know, you go over there and if some incident comes up, it's only uh, the workers there trying to do what they can, and there's no security there. So time you call somebody to get there, like, there's security everywhere. There should definitely be some more security in those homes, walking the halls, checking, making sure there's nobody in other rooms, you know. Absolutely. Well, that's my opinion. I just wanted to pass it, and my heart goes out to those families that had to go through that incident, and we all got to face reality. We're all getting older. We're all going to end up there two point in time, and uh, I ate for it to happen to me. Or, but thank you anyway for listening to my opinion on that subject. Betty, I can't thank you enough. That's an important phone call. I'm really glad you called this morning because this is – you know, I can't cover everything right off the top, and I rely on people like yourself to remind us what the, you know, these important stories can't go away. They need to be left into the open public forum to discuss and talk about, and we need solutions to them, some kind of oversight, whether it's extra security. But when it comes to our most vulnerable, boys, if we're not looking after them, that speaks volumes how we are as a society. So I appreciate the call, Betty. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you very Take much. Take care. Okay. And we're right up to it, aren't we, Fonz? Straight up to 10 o'clock. Um, let me see. How are we doing for calls, Fonts? We got could use a few more. Got a couple up. Uh, got Jeff Budden coming up after the news. I hope we're going to get an update on where the whole Roman Catholic Church, uh, the uh, St. John's Archdiocese bankruptcy is and the um, settling the claims and getting into the schools now and what they're worth and whether they can be used to settle claims. We'll talk to Jeff Budden after the news. I'm Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on this Monday morning. We'll talk to you right after the news cut. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. This is Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on this Monday morning. Let's go to line 10 and welcome Jeff Budden to the show. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Brian. How are you, sir? How was your weekend? It was good, thank you. Great. Uh, get some sports in? <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, up in Toronto mostly for work, but uh, I got to walk in and uh, got out and around a little bit. Yeah, you have a few things on your plate, just a few, uh, knowing how busy you are and the numerous files you have on the go. But um, why don't you just try to get maybe, you know, give everybody just a general summary and an update of we hear periodically, you know, when the case becomes for the, before the court and there's a development, where everything stands with the bankruptcy of the... Um, the St. John's Episcopal Corporation, uh, Archdiocese. Uh, Jeff, just summary, I guess, you know, in brief, I'll just go back. We've gotten through uh, still evaluating, I guess, the church properties. Is that fair to say? And moving through that process, but now into the schools. And the last court appearance, the government lawyers seem to indicate that they now have their walking or their marching orders from government to, to try to come to a settlement on the value of the schools. Is that about right? Yeah, all of that's about right. I'll, uh, <clears throat> I guess I would characterize it this way, Brian. There's basically two uh, major threads going on in the in the insolvency right now. One is growing the uh, the pot, so to speak, increasing the amount of funds available for distribution to the claimants, and that involves, as we all know, the selling of some churches and other church properties, including things like vacant land, and uh, that has been on the go now for approximately a year and has gone, from our perspective, reasonably well. The, the other thing which has been in the news lately is the realizing the uh, interest the church has in the old uh, Catholic schools. 
And as you and I are old enough to know, back uh, back in the day, education in Newfoundland was divided denominationally, and uh, the churches, all all the churches at one point, uh, built church built schools on church land, and uh, pretty much ran the education systems for their denominations. And when the denominational education system ended in ninety seven ninety eight, the uh, government found itself having taken over education, but not actually owning any schools. So at that time, they essentially took over control of Catholic schools that had been built on Catholic land. And now that the Episcopal Corporation is in this insolvency, the reckoning has come to try to realize, if legally possible, the church's value in those properties. So as as you suggested earlier, when we were in court, couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago today, actually. Right. Yeah. The uh, about now, the uh, <laughs> the lawyer for the uh, for the government said that he was optimistic that we would be able to come to a resolution of the uh, of that issue, so that the church and in turn the survivors would receive uh, some value from those schools. And over the past two weeks, there have been talks and meetings, and I think. I share his optimism that we will uh, eventually resolve that issue. And if we don't, we're back in court in April to uh, decide it. The the other major thing is, as it has been for some time now, coming up with a process to fairly divide the money raised through the uh, the other thing I just described among the uh, the survivors. And that includes a process for survivors, those who have already come forward, and others that have yet to come forward to uh, to have their claims evaluated by uh, an independent and neutral third party, and then ultimately to have those uh, those monies paid out to them. So that's uh, working its uh, way along. We've pretty much finalized a couple of key issues still out there, but all the parties involved have pretty much finalized how the claims process will work, and we hope to have back in court on that before the end of this month, and there likely will be a deadline of uh, perhaps some point in July, August, or even into September for all claimants, all the men and women who have claims against the Episcopal Corporation for abuse suffered by them to come forward. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, but I mean, you know, ultimately the province um, uh, never really, the churches were never really compensated for use of the school properties all these years, back to denominational education. This was a legislative move, um, an amendment that was made to the Schools Act, if I'm not mistaken, that they basically, you know, as long as, you know, we're going to just kind of keep using them. We have to, we have no other choice. Where else would the kids go? So we're going to, for all intents and purposes, expropriate, although they didn't compensate. And so all these years, they have been using those properties kind of with uh, a handshake and a wink and a nod? And uh, the power of the legislature, the government of Newfoundland, to essentially uh, say, we're we're going to take these schools, we're not going to compensate you, but when we no longer need a particular school, we'll we'll turn it back to the denomination that once had it. The the problem the government has now is that's all very well uh, until... uh, Federal piece of legislation, such as the uh, right. the, uh, the laws around uh, insolvency and bankruptcy, get involved. And and uh, again, these are <laughs> complex arguments that I uh, mostly the ball is being carried by our insolvency partners at Gowlings in Toronto. 
But our argument is that the federal law takes precedence over the right. provincial law and the schools are therefore available. Right. Uh, hopefully we'll work that out without a court having to rule. And Jeff, uh, you know, I know your time is precious. So I just briefly want to touch, you know, last week we learned or last couple of weeks and we knew this was kind of coming. But the British Columbia situation now where cases are now uh, they've gotten to go ahead to to proceed with claims out there. Can you give us a brief summary of what's happening? Yes. The uh, as most people know, in 1975, the uh, the police were made aware that certain brothers in Mount Cashel were abusing boys who lived there. And the way that resolved itself, as the Use Commission uh, established, is that rather than charges proceeding, uh, certain brothers, uh, including some who'd confessed, were allowed to, to leave Newfoundland. And they uh, fairly quickly found themselves teaching at Catholic schools in uh, Vancouver, and some of them at least went on to abuse uh, children who, boys who attended those schools. Like nothing ever happened, almost slate clean, move them out, slate clean. Onward and uh, upward, yeah. and uh, and some literally upward in some cases, some of them ended up in fairly senior administrative positions. Yes. So, so uh, that, and the reckoning has come there too, mm. and the... Uh, the uh, they they can't claim against the brothers any more than we can at Mount Cashel because they the the brothers who ran the uh, the show in the seventies went insolvent back in October ninety six. Right, and where it was vicariously liable here that the church was found for the Christian brothers, there's they, that won't eat into the pot that you're trying to build for compensation here, will it? We uh, that has yet to be determined, but their primary. Uh, their, their primarily, primary target, I guess, in the litigation pretty clearly is the Archdiocese of Vancouver and right. some other Vancouver-based entities. They, they have an argument and a claim uh, arising out of the fact that the, uh, the, the brothers were transferred out of, New, out of Newfoundland with nobody in Newfoundland seeing, seeing it fit to warn the, uh, the school communities right. in Vancouver. So now, the, you know, that argument is is, in, in my opinion, less uh, compelling than the argument against the Vancouver entities. But, mm. again, it's not my decision to make. Jeff, uh, we're right up against it, coming up to a break. Uh, just briefly summary. So the next, as far as the, the case we originally spoke with here, the, the St. John's Archdiocese, what's the next key date, key development that uh, the general public should be aware of? We're likely back in court before the end of March to uh, to see where we stand on the on the claims process and hopefully have a consent resolution. We're back in court on April 18th, I believe it is, to advise the court that we've either reached a deal, our, our optimism was justified, mm. or we have not. And then we will argue the uh, the federal versus provincial paramountcy issue and other issues arising over the determine the ownership of the schools. Well, and it's good to hear that you mentioned uh, that seems to be progress to date. So that was a little murky when you guys left court last time, but it's good to hear. Uh, we'll look forward to those dates, um, you know, with great interest. Thanks so much, Jeff, for taking the time, Dan. I know you're a busy man. Thank you. Really appreciate it. No problem, it. Brian. Take care. Okay, you too. That Bye. is Jeff Budden, lawyer for representing a good vo- uh, vast majority of the um, claimants, the victims of sexual abuse at Mount Cashel in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and, of course, that case, the bankruptcy at the Archdiocese. Uh, thanks again, Jeff. Okay, we're going to take a break for news, and we'll be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line 
on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Uh, this is Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on this Monday. Let's go right to line one, Fonts, and speak with RNC Media Relations spokesperson, Constable James Cadigan. How are you, James, this morning? Not too bad yourself. Good, sir. Thanks so much for making some time for us. Now, uh, just so happens, you know, we were going to have a chat this morning to try to just uh, just generally summarize the unfortunate events last week at Prince Wells Collegiate, but I... We can break some, there's some breaking news this morning on this story and that uh, I understand now an 18-year-old has also been charged uh, or has been arrested in connection with this case. What more can you tell us about that development this morning, James? Yeah, so I mean, we, we do have an active investigation at the moment. Uh, you know, as we speak, the investigative team are, are out boots to the ground, uh, interviews and so on. So I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, challenge the integrity of that investigation by sharing too much at this time. But what I can say is that uh, we did arrest an 18-year-old male uh, yesterday evening in the St. John's area, and uh, that that individual is set to appear today in provincial court. Um, Do we know what he will be charged with? Uh, Right now, the charge is accessory to, uh, to an offense. Accessory to an offense? That's correct. Okay, and so we know that there was um, a young, I can't call him a young offender yet, because of course he's an offender only when he's convicted. So we also have a young man who was charged last week, as we know now, with attempted murder and aggravated assault. So these charges would be as an accessory to those charges, allegedly. That's correct. So, uh, you know, James, this is, uh, these sorts of incidents, you know, I mean, I know that uh, I have a a young girl, a daughter in... um, in junior high, going to high school, I know that there are incidents from time to time at the school, but this one really kind of jarred everybody, uh, given the just the daylight outside the school and the viciousness of the attack. Um, you know, we knew uh, when your attempted murder and aggravated assault charges are laid, that's no small um, uh, assault. So I know you can't say a lot about this, but how is the RNC going about the investigative uh, nature now? You're still looking for video, I imagine. I know there's not a lot you can say specifically, and we can get into a bit of the reason for that if you want, but right now, what's the stage of the investigation, and, and do you anticipate more arrests? So, I mean, you, you said it all there, uh, you know, this was a <laughs> Sorry. scary scary attack, you know, but yeah. but great points, you know, it's a scary attack, it certainly shakes a community when an event like this occurs, and, uh, you know, certainly when it involves, uh, you know, the site of a school, uh, you know, the uh, individual who was injured, you know, it seems to be doing Okay, and, and we're happy to hear that, and uh, we're you know in close contact with the family there to to support their needs and to keep them informed, and that's a very important part of our process. Uh, and furthermore, you know when, when it comes to the ongoing investigation, again, you know we did mention as part of our initial uh, information there that we did believe this involved multiple suspects. So uh, at this time, we continue to investigate that uh, particular point and to validate you know, that by by investigation and gathering of evidence. And, you know, I know that, uh, you know, the public, general public are not always at the news conferences, but I mean, all of the questions, the right questions were asked, but for very good reasons, it's, you can't really get into, you know, any of the specifics that may be valid, you know, good valid evidence or, or the way you're going, because uh, for obvious reasons, and that is to protect the integrity of the evidence or any uh, yep. witness accounts or, or anything, just to be able to weed out the, the good stuff from the bad stuff, but not a lot of people yeah. understand sometimes. It can be very frustrating. You know, we'll ask questions like, was there a weapon used? And the general public might say, well, what, why would they have to keep something like that secret? Well, for obvious reasons, because if someone comes up and says, well, I saw a knife, and somebody else says, well, it was in the news that it was a gun, not specific yeah. to this case, but 
the way that can work out. Do you want to, can you just elaborate a little bit on how important that is that the police do not release those intricate de- details early on and why that kind of stuff has to stay sort of in-house until, you know, we, we get to a better part of the investigation? Yeah, so we want to receive information that's not impacted by, you know, like you said, information in the media or or other other social media. Uh, you know, so we want the information that's walking in our doors, uh, that's coming in over our phones and, and through our our information sources that uh, is, you know, essentially valid and reliable. And uh, if we share information that we feel only a only a witness or or we might capture on video, uh, you know, if we share that information. Uh, you know, it's not quite as reliable and perhaps it, it is impacted or swayed by uh, information we have shared uh, as a part of our uh, release. Can you say anything else about the, you mentioned that this 18-year-old now suspect um, has been arrested uh, last night. Could you say generally where he was arrested and whether there was, you know, whether it was without incident or? I actually, I don't have that information right now. Okay. Uh, but what I can say is, you know, again, you mentioned video mentioned uh, witnesses and whatnot uh, you know again the the investigative team remains active and, and we are you know seeking any and all information uh, just because arrests have been made and uh, you know it seems as though there's progress in, in an investigation doesn't mean that we are we are we are essentially slowing things down like in, in actual fact uh, it's more so ramping up and ensuring that we're validating information we have received already and just, you know, there's a lot of uh, pushback over, you know, social media and what gets shared and what doesn't and rumors and all the rest of it. You do want to hear, you know, from anyone who feels that they may know first, firsthand what happened here. Um, and, you know, social media is not just, it, it, it can be a real value to the RNT, can it not? I mean, you know, how much of that is playing a role in your investigation? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we had a discussion at the, at the press conference last week about, applications such as Snapchat and TikTok, uh, you know, so we know that these applications could very well have content right now that is valuable to our investigation, whether it's, you know, events that carried out that morning on on site or things that may be in the background of some videos, you know, it's all relevant when we're investigating a serious violent crime, of of course, but uh, at any time we're carrying out an investigation, it's worth considering that you have content that is valuable to our uh, process. And we've also, you know, seen that, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, nervous people out there who necessarily sometimes just don't, they may know something and it's, like, uh, you know, whether or not they're going to get involved or not, but they can do that anonymously well, as well, just as a reminder. Yeah, certainly. I mean, Crime Stoppers is there for anonymous reports. And, uh, you know, I think that you know, our community has come out on so many occasions and, and you know, essentially let let us know just how much they stand against this type of violence. You know, of course, there's going to be, uh, you know, that need to stay anonymous just out of concern for for a family or for a student that doesn't want to be involved. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's been events in recent years where as soon as a violent crime occurs, the community really comes out in, in tenfold and uh, shows that they will simply not stand for this and information is coming to us uh, to carry out our investigations. Yeah, but you just jogged my memory on that one. I mean, the same, I remember how um, how much the RNC credited the public with their concern and their, I guess it was outrage and then concern and, and wanting to help when those two violent random break-ins, which are before the courts now, but we all remember last year on Beaumont Street and Monders Lane, and a good part of your news conference was thanking the public for 
for jumping in to help. I mean, the, the RNC do great work, but you can always use more help, especially from when you're not always on the ground in that particular spot. So I remember uh, you guys make it such a big point of that, of that, uh, you know, whatever you know, any help from the public and the way they've jumped in help with these investigations as well. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about crime networks and, and how we right. really try to hone in on how they operate. Well, what what we see is that we have our own community network that operates, you know, in opposition to those particular criminal groups. Yep. And uh, these community networks are what uh, essentially puts these criminal criminal groups before the courts yep. at the end of the day. And when you said just then these networks, uh, I'll let you go on this, just, you know, be remiss if I didn't mention it, the number of scams that are on the go and the RNC has been very proactive about trying to alert people. I mean, it, most people know about it, but there are those who don't follow as closely. But you mentioned networks, like there was another arrest last week regarding phone scams on the seniors. I mean, how, you know, so, the, you know, these things are not just going on in isolation. Yeah, so these are sophisticated uh, networks of, of mm. criminal groups who are running these scams. Um, they are, you know, doing research. They, they have, know how to... Don't they? Yeah, they have a background, they're, and they're sending people in their communities to pick up large sums of money in short periods of time. So uh, they will—they're ruthless, and they have no desire to, uh, you know, give anyone an opportunity to, uh, you know, check the situation. So, anytime someone calls you uh, looking for a large sum of money in a short period of time, uh, you know, that's that's suspicious. And and furthermore, a, pol- a police agency or you know any. Uh, judicial service of any kind will not demand a large sum of money in a short period of time. Uh, police agencies simply will not demand money. You know, uh, so it's worth considering that these types of calls come into certainly our seniors are the target of these scams. Yep. Uh, but anybody who receives a call of that nature, putting the pressure on and, and demanding action or, or money in a in a short period of time, it's certainly suspicious. And you should hang up the phone and call the source that they are. Essentially, if they're saying they're a police agency or a bank, call that uh, group directly. Yeah, and as you said, they do their research. I mean, when you, the, the first real inclination I got, I mean, you see a, a long 10 digit number with an area code you don't recognize. But when a number yep. comes up that's a local cell phone number that you know friends and family have, that can be an extra layer of, you know, uh, you let your guard down. And next thing you know, you're in the middle of something on the phone just because the number was familiar. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and to, to really elaborate on the, you know, uh, how quickly these types of scams develop and how, you know, essentially they want to put the pressure on and get out of here quickly. Yeah. So it's believed that this uh, suspect and accused now arrived in Newfoundland, uh, you know, February 28th or thereabouts. Right. And was looking to leave on March 2nd. So in that span of time, they looked to obtain the largest sum of money possible through essentially phone call scams. Right. This is the, uh, I believe the man's name is Charles Gillen. He was arrested last week, just so people know that that's the case we're talking about. James, I I appreciate all the time you've given us today. Just go back one more time. This gentleman who's been charged now, the 18-year-old in connection with the assault at PwC, uh, doing court today? Doing court today, yes. So uh, I don't have a time at at this point, but... uh, Well, I know how that works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I'm down waiting around, it depends. The courts are a busy, busy place, so wherever he is in the queue, I won't be there, but we'll certainly be following that story. Thanks so much, James Cadigan, for the time today. No problem. Appreciate it. Have Thank a great you. day. Okay. You too. That is RNC spokesperson James Constable James Cadigan with the RNC. We are up to news time. Going to take a break and be right back.
Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. I'm Brian Callahan filling in for Patty Daly on this Monday. And silly me, news is at the top of the hour, Fonts. You know, I'm new here, so. Uh, let's go to line one. Caller on line one, you are on the air. You're doing a wonderful job, young <laughs> fella. You're doing a wonderful job. Patty should uh, watch out now. And <laughs> let's not go there. Patty show, he's got he's, he's the one and only buddy. There's no way I'm not oh. you know, I'm not in no shoes. Everybody has to retire at some point and uh, you're growing, my son. I'll be retired before um, Patty does. But thanks very much. It's kind of you to stay. I called to talk about a little bit about the Houses of Parliaments that are happening to be opening this week and I have a big wish list, quite expensive wish list. You and you and every other individual everybody else. And it'd be nice if they worked on the gap between the low class and the middle class. And uh, let me talk about the middle class for a a second. But it'd be nice if they just put money into the hands of the low class. Um, I mean, the $500 was a help. But anyone in middle class should be able to take that $500 and afford it. But to the low class, that to us, that was so important to us. It'd be nice to see that start off on a quarterly uh, level per year. Uh, and there, and there have been calls, you know, suggestions for that, yeah, no, no right. question, right? I mean, people say, well, one time is great. And then there are other questions about why even have an extra pot of money for people that are making over $100,000. I mean, there were questions about whether or not it should go that far, you know? Anyone making over $100,000, in my simple little old man opinion, <laughs> they should be able to take care of food on the table. Right. However, there's a, there's a few of us in the low class who make less than fifteen thousand dollars a year, and we have to survive on that. Yeah. So, okay. So that's that. There's and more and more of those crying. people, by the way. Yes. That's right. There's more and more every year. Every day, every year, every especially. Year, every. That's right. So it'd be nice for the lower class to be helped financially. The middle class, they need help with the taxes, and everybody's talking about that gas tax. It got to go. Right. Because middle class are the drivers of our economy. They're the ones who vote. They're the ones who end up leading. They need the help to continue to do the hard work. The, and I'm talking about your nurses, your your doctors, the, the people who, who work in management, everyone who drives our society. They need less taxes so they can concentrate on doing their best for society and their families. And the upper class, well, uh, as my mother would say, uh, take care of the children. The older ones are old enough and mm-hmm. foolish enough to take care of themselves. <laughs> so any, any uh, you know, people who's making over $150,000 a year, the judges, the, you know, your, your people who are deputy ministers and stuff like that, they should not have to have financial supports. Yeah, right. they're, they're, they're making they tidy. They should be able, to be able to take care of themselves. They're making what we would consider tidy, handsome salaries. Although, you know, I would say, too, they're earning it, especially when it comes to judges. I'm down there this almost every... what I'm saying. I'm yeah. not saying they don't earn it. Absolutely. This, I'm not talking about not earning the job because people work to get But the bump up and that kind right. of stuff. Yeah. Yes. So I, I would like to see some sort of social benefits like that going out. 
in terms of education, it'd be nice if they started back with uh, what he called more physical education and participation like they did in the late 70s and in the 80s. Remember that show? I, well, you're young, old, young, but there's a CBC show called Yes, You Can. With Hal Johnson and Joanne McLeod. Man, you're smart. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far, but I remember. <laughs> so that, and in terms of justice, you know, everybody is hurting when it comes to seniors being hurt by the public, by mm. people who think that they can go into any senior's home and hurt them or any uh, private home and hurt them. My goodness, the RCMP and RNC got to get together and do a seniors task force. They got to do a better job taking care of the seniors of this province. And I certainly, you know, want to would say that the seniors advocate is there for that very reason. And, you know, and, and maybe we'll get a chance to speak with uh, seniors advocates morning, but especially with the issues. And now we know of uh, we've we've been hearing of another assault in a long term care facility. Oh, it's just shocking. It is. And as you said, you know, the RNC and the RCMP, uh, whether a task force is something that can be looked at again. We, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, there was some uh, very uh, troubling stories that came out of Quebec all during the pandemic and even before th- things that were happening that weren't really in the public mm-hmm. eye until then. So a brighter light most certainly needs to be shone on it. If there's something that gets people more riled, it's you know it's the it's the the abuse or taking advantage of our most vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, and we got great leaders there now. I'm not talking about colors of PCs because PCs liberals they're all doing the same thing in our province. We don't really have differing agendas right we have different political parties but they all have the same agenda when they get in there to progress our province forward right and i we have a doctor at the helm that means he wants to help we have a finance minister who breeds dogs that means she knows understands growth and understanding of, of maturing and nurturing we have two good leaders there that they need you know they just need a little bit of more guidance on where to funnel the money to help us all. And it speaks volumes that, you know, I mean, they have, there's just a little bit on the plates of our leaders these days. You mentioned, you know, the premier oh. is, a, is a physician. Um, the vast majority, we don't often get them. We get more lawyers that'll, that'll jump into the political fray than, uh, than doctors normally would. And you can make of that what you will. Um, you know, the joke I've, <laughs> I'm sitting in the House of Assembly covering it. Sometimes, you know, I wonder if there's a juxtaposition or a difficulty that the Premier has sometimes, whether between, on one hand, the Hippocratic Oath, and then what I would call, on the other hand, sometimes the Hypocritic Oath, you know, where yeah. it's only one vowel in the difference, well. and they're pretty close. If you don't pronounce them right, you can be confusing. And I remember asking the Premier once if he f- ever felt that, you know, one was getting in the way of the other. If, if Premier Andrew Fury, the, the doctor, would be okay with some of the decisions being made by Premier Andrew Fury, the Premier, and whether or not that's ever. Because let's face it, you know, I mean, as a doctor and a physician, I'm sure he'd like to pump everything into it. He sees it firsthand. He has seen it. He's been in the system. He's been around the world to see how desperate things can be. And so he has perspective on all of these things. And you have to believe that if he can, he will, because he's the, the government's hearing these stories too, you know? It's always interesting to speculate what goes on around that table, isn't it? It is. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot. There's a lot going around around that table. That's right. I hope they have a kind uh, session and that they treat each other with kindness, that they understand respect and that they understand that the people of the province just need them to do their job. And 
and don't worry about getting back in again because we just need you to do your job. Yeah, telling a politician, don't worry about getting back in again. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's, it's you know like what you're going to get out of that. Don't cross the road. <laughs> I mean, we all know, right, the first and second jobs of a politician because otherwise, and that's not said derog- in a derogatory nature. The, the point is, if they're not elected, they can't do any of the things that they aspire to do for their constituents. So, you know, it's it's one half dozen the other. The problem is most people believe once they get in there and indoctrinated or, or again, you know, get the, the feel of the house, uh, sometimes it can go by the wayside because there are other things going on and you're not always going to have your issue come to the fore as hard as you try. And it's glacial, the, the movement that the legislature can move at sometimes, you know, there's... And there are procedural reasons for that, but there's a good portion of the society out there who would love to see the party system done away with altogether. I mean, maybe there's more independent MHAs coming through. You know, you you cannot discount discount the success and the popularity of a Paul Lane or as an Eddie Joyce. You know, these guys are are stalwarts loved by their constituents because they put them first. And I think all politicians try to put their constituents first, but it doesn't oh, always come. So. Oh, yeah, but it doesn't always come so. through that way when you're hamstrung, hamstrung by by the internal, you know, machinations of your party and not speaking out of line and towing the party line and and voting when you're supposed to. You know, we've seen that over the years where some renegades, and we'll call them a renegade, but it really should be common sense where you can, you know, sometimes your conscience gets the best of you, and just because the party says you're going this way, you know, there's a lot to be said for standing up and and going the other way. I, um, before I go, I, uh, great conversation this morning. Um, I just wanted to talk about um, uh, what is going on with Memorial University for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an Indigenous person, and but looking at it, I'm concerned of what they're going on with Dr. Timmons. They should, whoever's making decisions right now, need to be careful that they're not creating an inquisition. Yeah, now inquisition... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 listen to me. Uh, Across Canada now, there's been at least three or four women in high-profile education and political positions that had their uh, Indigenous heritage uh, called out upon. Mm -hmm. We've even had the group of Nunatulva called out upon about their indigenous a whole society now it is as sensitive a time as it's ever been yeah and awareness we have to be careful here now we can see two easy examples that uh, seem foolish to us now but we're very serious at the time Mm -hmm. in the 1600s you had the what most people call the spanish inquisition Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right the roman catholic church going against its own people who didn't um, believe in Sorry. Christianity, or you know, they thought. And then the witch, tri- the Salem witch trials in the late 1600s in uh, in North America, and we know that went bad. Now we know it's not going to be that dra- it's not that drastic. But in the concept, in, in the construct of it all, you have to be careful what you do with this. As an indigenous person. I felt terrible for Dr. Timmons. Well, I, I believe, honestly, the doctor was totally trying to learn her past. As her and father people, tried to tell her, yeah. And, and what people afforded to her was not 
what she afforded to herself. The award from the Inspire was given to her by a choice of other people. We have to be careful when we blame people, and we have to be very respectable of what we're doing to their mental health. Isn't there something to be said here, and sorry to interrupt, but for the fact that, you know, Ms. Timmons did accept that Inspire Award, and that was clearly she stood there and 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 accepted the applause and accepted the recognition. Of course the, she did. What the recognition. would you do if you were given a great award from the hockey arena well, I think, or from the news arena? It's a respect of what you're trying to do. Well, I'm I, not saying I, she is indigenous or not. What I'm talking about here is the blaming of it. Well, there'll be a time. I mean, the blame will come into, you know, blame will be determined once it's determined how we got to this point and who was responsible for that getting to that point. And all I was saying by she accepted the award was, and you made the reference to a hockey award, you know, when you're, you, you get the call and you get an email or you get a text or someone gives you, says, we're going to give you this award. The first thing you do is reflect on whether or not you deserve it. You know, whether or not, okay, what is this award? Where does it come from? What is it about? Who is it for? Uh, do I really deserve it? If I've broken every record in the league, yeah, okay, bring it on. But if I have, if there's any murkiness at all, and especially when it comes to indigenous uh, heritage and ancestry, given the focus, and the, rightly so, the focus on, on, on reconciliation today, you know, and the position that Ms. Timmons is in as the president of the university, uh, I think there's something to be said. And, and we should note today that uh, the President Vianne Timmons has issued a statement. And she is stepping back from her duties. Not sure if you're aware of this, but she is going to step back and take some time away from the presidency. And uh, she's saying to, um, well, uh, the words, just basically she's reflecting on the feedback from the indigenous community. And she's asked that the Board of Regents permit her to leave. And she says that uh, they, in the statement, says during the time the Regents will be looking into the president's claim of Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq heritage through an indigenous-led roundtable. So, and Ms. Timmons says she is not, you know, she has regrets. And I mean, that screams of inquisition right there. We got to be careful. What's wrong with sending Dr. Timmons an email saying, Mrs. You're not indigenous. What are you talking about? Right? Well, That's all you got to do. And if, if they feel that she shouldn't be leading um, students because she falsely claimed something, then every one of us should go to jail because everybody at one point in their time makes a mistake. Yeah, well, and it ooh. remains to be seen whether or not she made a mistake. I mean, again, there have been it, – it's a murky, it's a nuanced thing – we're not going to settle this and clear it up here on Open Line this morning. But the bottom line is there. Oh, no, goodness. It is very, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, getting back into the heritage in the 1600s, 1700s and the, and the lineage. And so, we're, you know, we don't have all of the facts on this. The important thing is that. But we have current facts, young fella. Pardon me? How, how many people have claimed indigenous and have been uh, denied? Look at the Halupu Nation. Okay. Going through the courts as we speak. Yep, still waiting for a determination. Right. And that has been treated with respect, has it not? Well, it's been treated to respect in the sense of it's going now through a proper judicial system and a challenge. I mean, they will be the first ones, the the people who were rejected after the first round, after the changes were made 
2013, they would be the first ones to say there wasn't a lot of respect because they were lost in in all this. They were, you know, the federal government um, uh, tightened the rules to be able to be called a member of the band, and it eliminated the vast majority of those who had already been a part of the band. So they were stripped. So I don't know if they would be the first ones to say that that was a, a good process. Well, you got me there, but I wasn't talking about the, the people's respect of the process. Um, again, I'm going to leave it at that anybody investing groups, like people investing, especially identity. Christianity Absolutely. is an identity. Being a witch was an identity. Being indigenous is an identity. Being a Canadian is an identity. Being a Newfoundlander is being an identity. Absolutely. Having a group of people telling you, yes, you are, and yes, you are not. Absolutely. Inquiring. Got to get to the break. Really enjoyed okay. the chat. I know you don't agree. Take care. No, I didn't say that. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break and get wrecked back. A couple of callers or fonts. Grand stuff. We'll be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. We're getting pretty close to the news time, but we're going to take a caller now, and if you'll hang on, we'll even pick them up again after the news. Caller on line two, one, two, Fonts? Two. Go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, hi there. Hi. Um, my name is uh, Gabriel. I'm hoping to take the opportunity to discuss and possibly promote uh, professional wrestling here in Newfoundland. Yes, sir. Gabe, go ahead. Gabriel, right? Gabe or Gabriel? Uh, Gabe is fine. Gabe will work. Okay, because we, we've known each other for so long. Go ahead. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> Give her. Um, so just to uh, promote a few things from uh, Newfoundland Wrestling, uh, first thing I want to talk about is uh, last Saturday. Uh, last Saturday is we had our uh, New Evolution Wrestling Republic Rumble event at the CLB Armory. And uh, we had a impressive turnout. I think we had a little over 300 people pack the, pack the armory. Uh, it was a phenomenal event. We had a uh, uh, championship change hands that night uh, as one of the most talented performers on the entire roster. His name is Jeremiah Javen. He uh, ended up becoming the new heavyweight champ that night. Gabe, I can tell you right now, I have a colleague who's not feeling that well, Mr. Uh, Richard Duggan, who's sitting at home nursing a bit of a sickness, bad belly, and I tell you, he is chomping at the bit here listening to this call. I'm sure he could, Ricky's a fanatical, great local wrestling, world wrestling. You should see the gift we gave him for Secret Santa. But in any event, I've been to a couple of those bouts at the CLB Armory, and they are, it is off the charts exciting. I'll just say it. And I'm not a big wrestling, you know, I... I you know, I'm more of a critic to say, oh, it's all fake, blah, blah, blah. I used to say that, but it takes an incredible amount of fitness and energy and skill to pull that stuff off for whatever you think, if it's fake or not. But, it, you know, it's theatrics, and it's exciting, and it's challenging. So I just want to get that out there. Uh, absolutely. It's uh, it's uh, fun entertainment, but uh, it is, uh, you are correct, it is very challenging stuff. Um, but, yeah, we... Uh, had a great show there last night. Uh, we, I 
can't really discuss a whole lot about the next time we'll be at CLB because details aren't really announced at this time. Details but, uh, are scanty. Yes. But uh, I can tell you sometime soon we'll have another show at CLB. That's best I can say on that. Awesome. Um, I'll tell you what now, Gabe, we're just right up to the news. Uh, if you want to, just hang on for a couple of minutes. It won't take long. You can finish what you wanted to say right after news if you, if you want to hold on. You want to do that? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Great. Only a couple of minutes. We're just going to take a short break for the news and get right back to Gabe. we got a few other callers in the queue, but by all means, it's a Monday morning open line. If you got something on your mind, call her in. We are open line at VOCM. Uh, right back after news. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. This is Brian Callahan filling in for the one and only Patty Daly, who is out today. Welcome back. Let's get back quickly to Gabe to finish our chat about wrestling. Gabe, you still there? I am still here. All right. So sorry for the uh, rude interruption. Go ahead. Did you want to clue up or get anything else you want to share? Uh, yeah. Um, I mentioned about last Saturday at Republic yes. Rumble. Um, I will be able to tell you every detail of what happened that night, but because I'm on <laughs> limited time. But yep. um, we do have, uh, for anybody who wants to know, we do have a YouTube page uh, that has highlights videos on them. And you can also watch a show called uh, New Evolution Wrestling Evolve that happens uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon on NTV every Saturday. Ooh, love that. Now, uh, I'm just going to quickly jump ahead here uh, due to the limited time. Yeah, next week, go uh, for it. Yeah, as far as the upcoming shows, yes, uh, the ones that I'm allowed to announce, <laughs> um, April 15th and 16th, uh, a second wrestling promotion called Atlantic Championship Wrestling. They're going to be partnering with the Newfoundland Rogues, and they're going to be having a show at the Mary Brown Center. Nice. Wow. Okay. In a bigger um, arena, that'll be great. Oh, yeah. You're looking at almost about 4,000 people-ish, somewhere oh, around yeah. there. Oh, my God. It's going to be on wheels. It's going to be great. If The only thing I'll be missing is The Undertaker. I wasn't a huge wrestling fan <laughs> growing up. But uh, I watched it, you know, the Sailor, well, of course, Sailor White, legend around here. But um, but the, the ones that stuck out me were the, the Undertaker, of course, Hulk Hogan and Macho Man, Randy Savage. I met him in St. John's once a long, long, long time ago. So, you know, I always had that bit of stardom to it. But the, the bigger v venue, getting them down to Mary Brown Center, that should be something. Indeed. Um, Last thing, want to wrap ahead. it up? Yep. Yep. Uh, jump ahead to summer here. Um there's a third wrestling promotion that's going to be making their debut on June the 3rd at Bonavista Cabot Stadium called Inner City Wrestling. Um, and they already got their first match announced if you follow on Facebook where uh, Newfoundland native in Bulldog Brandon Hines mm -hmm. is going to be facing uh, Nova Scotia uh, wrestler by the name of Kobe Christ. And that match is going to be for the ICW title. It's going to be the main event of their first show. And that date again? Uh, June the 3rd, right. over, over at Bonavista, at Bonavista. Stadium. Okay, mark the calendars. I know we'll have to, I guess, make accommodations here at the newsroom for Ricky Duggan because he won't be here that day probably, or anyway, that week, probably take it off, road trip. Uh, Gabe, thanks a lot for this. It's great, you know, the variety of calls we get on open line. It's no secret. So thanks for throwing this one in there this morning on Monday. 
It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks again. All right. All right, Fonts, where are we going? Line four, and Rudy is on line four. Rudy, good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, could be better. I have a note on my screen that says you are a former Smith's ambulance worker. Yes, I am, sir. Well, so we, you know, I think most people are probably aware that you guys unceremoniously were out of work last week. Yes, we were. Um, and how we were notified was not really uh, the appropriate way, I feel, either. But uh, that's a whole other story there. I know that one worker said she just happened, It she saw it through a Facebook post. Ouch, ouch. Yes. I mean, like, yeah, we, we, how did you find out? Did, uh, I actually, I'm lead hand with the service, or I was lead hand with the service. And my employer called me five minutes before my coworker started contacting me. He called me and said, come in, we need to sit down and talk. I went in and I never made it through his door to have a chat with the letter he received when my coworkers were contacting me, what's going on? What's happening? They, they were confused, they were lost. They had people contacting them. It's, it's just unprofessional how they went about it. Like literally my employer had 20 minutes from the time he received notification of this to when it was posted on Facebook as a public notice. So to just say that in general the communication could have been a little better would be what a massive understatement. An understatement. <laughs> to say the communication could be a little better was a severe understatement. And and the worst thing is is not you know what it's fine enough for the government to go and say you know what we did something wrong. Fine. If you're going to accuse someone, you should give them the right to to defend themselves to make their own case. We were convicted. We were just. We were not just accused. We were accused, convicted, and sentenced without the benefit of a trial, or without the benefit of even given a chance to even speak our part. So, Rudy, this goes there back no to contact made. Yeah, and this goes to a specific incident. I mean, the the, the, the issue started, started back. Yep. Was that June. you never responded to a call? I mean, you either did or you didn't. We well. Here's the thing. I can tell you. I was on call. There's two major breaches. They're saying that we we did. There was one back in June, the beginning of June, June first, I believe it was, and one on February fourth. The one in June was um, a mutual aid call. We have three ambulances here. We have two primary units and one secondary unit. Right. So what that means is the two primary units are staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. The secondary unit is staffed 12 hours a day, Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. This call coming as a mutual aid call, our dispatcher took the call, and uh, it was to, they wanted a, 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 an ambulance to respond to South River. Okay, that's fine. South River in down ASA, Clark's Beachway. Yes, that way. Uh, in the ASA, there's, to my knowledge, I mean, I've read the, the ASA, which is the Ambulance Service Agreement. Uh, there is nothing in there that states specifically we're required to send our last ambulance for mutual aid. That being said, it didn't matter. We were still sending an ambulance. So rather than send the last ambulance back and at our base, taking the only ambulance we had covering emergencies in the area, excuse me, uh, covering the, uh, the area of 14 communities now, mind you, uh, instead of taking that last ambulance out, they, our dispatcher contacted the employer, and the employer said, okay, where is the ambulance we have coming back? With the other two, where are those, those two? We had one that was coming back from Carbonier, and one who come back from Porter Grave. So he said, okay, dispatch the one from Porter Grave, that there is closer, get the ambulance there. We did the call. We actually have right. a copy of the PCR. We have the two crew members that were done it to prove that we did the call. 
So there these, was no non-compliance there. And, and these situations are always nuanced. So, this, you know, it's, it's obviously not just more than one story, uh, more than one side of the story, but there are technical aspects to dispatching and sending ambulances and, and technical and codes and, and all these other yes. various categories under which an ambulance would respond or wouldn't respond. But so there seems to be something in there, but is, is, is it clear as day as we did respond and they said we didn't? I don't know if it's that simple, it, is it? it is. It is, it is practically that clear. They're saying we didn't because, uh, to my knowledge, what happened is initially within, now this was corrected within two minutes, our dispatcher initially said, no, we can't do it because we only have one ambulance okay. back. Yeah. She called the employer immediately, told, her what was, told him what was going on, he, and he didn't even know she refused the call at the time. He said to her, I said, about what I said, to send the closest ambulance, sent the one that was coming back from Port of Grace. So, yeah, we initially within that initially, yeah, the call was refused for about two to three minutes. But as soon as my the, the employer uh, uh, got the information of the call, he said, dispatch this ambulance, get that one, get that one going. Mm-hmm. And the ambulance was there within 15 minutes. If I, I was on call that day, I was actually on the third ambulance. I was the one back in the area. I'll give you an example. If I were to have to respond to that particular call, it would have took 20 to 25 minutes to be, for me to get there at least. And that's going code three. Well, uh, priority one in these right, cases, right. Uh, emergency with the lights and siren yeah. on, and that's on a good day. That's that's you know given ideal road and road conditions and traffic conditions. Yeah, and for people who aren't aware, priori- priority one is the, is the full on lights uh, siren. That's priority one. When you see a police vehicle flying along with the lights and everything, that's priority one. So that just means it's the most important yeah. call you got to get to. Yep. Yeah, but you and know the other the other the go- other call that they're stating that we're we're we're. Um, that we were in breach of was one back on February 4th. Now, February 4th, I was not on call. That was the day we had a very severe snowstorm. Not a lot of snow buildup, but a lot of high winds, a lot of wet out conditions. A call came in somewhere between 3 and 3.30 to do a to do a, a call. I won't get into particulars of the call because I can't. Nope, I'm but um, um, we had, at the exact time that the call was coming in, we had power failure. We had three bumps in the power. <sighs> Perfect storm. So it literally exactly just actually the the attendant there, the the medic that was on call that day, who answered the phone, actually got cut off twice because of the bumps Mm. in the power. And they end up having to talk to him on a a, a different unit Uh, instead of the base phone. They call from one of the PTTs, which is a portable. So there are all kinds of other elements to this, as we know, that, that, you know, as you said, it gets into a technical side of things and then the perfect storm, a power bump, all of these things contribute. So it's not just cut and dried in the sense that, you know, you didn't and they said you did. But I I just want to get to it because I got to get to a break soon. Um, But but I will say this, Rudy, I just can you just give me an idea? What's the situation in that area now? If I needed an ambulance right now uh, in an emergency and I know they say call 911, but who's responding? Uh, to my knowledge right now, it's going to be Eastern Health with two ambulances they have out in the area. Now, keep in mind, that's two ambulances as opposed to three ambulances that are being covered weekly. Uh, now, do I do I have any egregious feelings to any one of them paramedics that they're absolutely not? They are doing a job and they're... Yeah, they're it's not, not about that. To come yeah. out. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not coming out here by choice. They're not coming out here to take my job or anything like that. They're doing what they're being told to do. But do I feel that we, as the people that live here and work here could operate better yes i do because we know the area we absolutely right. know the area. i have lived here almost my whole life and, and you so know the people at least half the staff and yeah i mean there's times that we'll get calls and as soon as we hear a name we don't need any more information we know where we're going or directions because that can yeah. get rural newfoundland can be tangled with directions if you're not it from the be. area yep absolutely yeah 
Rudy, yeah, look no, at just, just, it's, just one quick. Yeah, quick, sure. Go ahead. Thing I just wanted to mention on on that call on February fourth, uh, the power went out that day. But not only that, I live uh, maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred feet from the building. I was off that day. The crew called me to go up to because we had a, a problem with our generator at the time too. For some reason, we we're getting the generator was running, but it wasn't getting sending power to the building. So being lead hand, they contacted me to go up and see if I accessed the situation. From here to the base, I had to stop three times in a four-wheel drive truck mm. because I couldn't see where I was going. But they're saying that we were breached because our medics that were on refused to leave due to unsafe conditions. They literally could not see across the road. Yeah. It's not. It's not that we. It's not that we didn't want to go on the call. We couldn't go on the call. It was unsafe, and under OHS guidelines, the right to refuse unsafe work is there. I can't imagine there's ever was, a scenario where you. We didn't have that right. There's each Eastern Health saying we did not have that right to refuse the call, but it's not a matter of refusing. It's a matter of just not being able to. Yeah, yeah, because it the, it gives the impression that you say, ah, no thanks, or we're not going to do it. And, yeah, and yeah. I can't imagine a scenario where a paramedic who gets into that business just to help and save lives is sitting back on, ah, we're not going to take that one. There has to be no, a reason. Exactly. And there's more to this exactly. than meets the eye. And hopefully Absolutely. it gets sorted out, right? Because I you, hope so too. <laughs> we all know who's getting caught in the middle. So. Yes, yeah, so all of us workers. I mean, you take me, I've been at it for 30 years now. I've, I've, I've been in EMS. I actually started when I working in EMS when I was 15 years old, but first aid in CPR. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm a veteran paramedic, and I still got a good 10 or 15 years left in me, and I am seriously concerned leaving the province to work. Uh, can I get work around here? Yes. Uh, it would require me traveling and cost and, and, and monies that I don't have for fuel and, and another vehicle and whatnot. Um, and would I want to work for Eastern Health after they just basically fired me, got mm. my job, quit? Leaves a bad taste. I don't taste, know if I want to. Leaves it a bad does. taste, yeah. really bad taste. And you mentioned... They never even offered... And you mentioned, Rudy, your years, your experience and everything. What about, I mean, I, I feel for the young and up and coming, some of these paramedics yes. just fresh out of school, Absolutely, uh, yeah. vim and vigor, can't wait to get at it, like a new career, yep. like at that age. I know how I felt. I mean, it's, you know, everything's up and, yep. and instead you're caught in this quagmire of, you know, arguing and, yep. and, and sudden terminations and uncertainty. And we're going to lose our best and brightest the more that stuff goes on. Well, I, I can tell you right now, most of the ones that I'm working with right now are looking the same as me. It's not it's not that they can't work around here. They're looking at other private operators, possibly, but they're also looking away. They're looking away, and this is not a threat to anyone. For anyone who thinks no, it's reality, just threatening to leave. It's it's it is reality. It's we can't afford to stay here to do the job we love to do in the place we love to do it. Simple as that. You got it. Rudy, thanks so much. People need to hear this and they need, need to hear it right from the horse's mouths like uh, yourselves and anyone else who's just that intimately close to it and their, you know, their career is not huge. And then there's the patients. So, you know, yes, it's such a such a uh, awkward and unfortunate situation. Thanks for the call. Yeah, we hope really this is. thing gets no wired problem. out. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. I'm Brian Callahan fitting in for Patty Daly today on Monday's edition of Open Line. We will be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Let's go right to Karen on line one. Karen, you're on the air. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Karen. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Um, first time caller, so I'm a little bit nervous, but oh. I'll tell, and I, I kind of tell things in a story, so I'll tell my story to you as quickly and efficiently as I can. Okay, take your time and just relax. It's all good. 
Thank you. Um, my son is attending a post-secondary private school in Stephenville, to, uh, and he's attending the adult basic education program. Right. Um, my son was very sick, and he couldn't finish his high school. So uh, when he got better, he went to work for a little while, and then he wanted to return and get his education. And he's attending the adult basic education program um, at Western College in Stephenville. Right. And he's doing excellent, and he's applied, he's applied to another post-secondary institution because he, he wants to become a psychologist. So he's this very smart young man, but unfortunately he was really sick when he was in high school. So he's going on moving on with his life. So he, um, he attended last year at Western, and I just want to say that Western College, Keene College, is a wonderful school, mm. and they have wonderful staff, and I can't say enough good things about them. So um, because he's going to school, there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through for your financial because it's very expensive um, to, to go to a private school. Um, to get your to get any schooling, and mostly all of the students that go in any program are funded by the government. Like they have some kind of um, unemployment insurance yes. reach back program, Halapu, uh, meaning Aboriginal funding, whatever. Right. So, so that applies to my son. So he paid a lot of money. Uh, he got a he got money last year from the government to pay for his tuition. And then when it came time for us to get taxes done, I took his taxes along with all of everybody else's taxes to get done because I'm the person who does that for everybody in my family. So when I took his um, tax that he got from uh, Canada, the federal government that he got from his unemployment, and money to go to school, like funding to go to school, it was all funded. So when I got, went to get his taxes done, the gentleman who asked, who does our ta- taxes, asked me, "Where's his T twenty two O two?" And and what that is is a is a form that you get from the school, and it states how much money the student paid for their tuition. So, I so I contacted the the school, Western College, and I asked them for the T twenty two O two, and they said, "We can't give it to the ABE students." And I said, why not? They said, we were told by Service Canada that we can give it to every other student in every other program that pays tuition and gets funded by the government. And even if it's ABE student, it's funded by the government, we can give it to everybody but the ABE student. So my son got money for tuition from the government to pay his tuition, which he did, and now he's going to be taxed on the money that he took, that they gave him for his tuition, and he paid it on the tuition, but they won't give him a receipt. And I said to him, why won't you? And he said, we're not allowed. Service Canada says we can't. So I went to get my son's taxes done, and now he owes over $3,000 because he's being taxed on his tuition money that he paid for tuition. So I contacted Tony Wakeham's office. And I contacted Goody Hutchings' office. Goody Hutchings is our local MP, member of Parliament, and Tony Wakeham is our member of House of Assembly. Um, both Goody Hutchings and Tony Wakeham have 
really good people working for them that are very polite and they're doing their best. But Goody, Hutch- Goody Hutchings has a lady named Sarah who works, works for her, and she called me back and she was so helpful. But basically, what they're saying is, and to me, you're, you're targeting a specific group and you're saying everybody else gets it but you. And to me, that's just point blank discrimination. There's no other way to look at it. Karen, I'll just jump in really quickly. So what uh, rationale have you been given specifically of why ABE tuition would not would be exempt? What I got from one of the offices, from the uh, one of the offices called Service Canada, and they said they sat there for half an hour listening to somebody go all around a circle, making up excuses that didn't make any sense. And then basically what they said is that people have a chance to get to high school and it's free. And now they're going to it to get it in a post-secondary institution so their their tuition is not tax deductible. And is that the same explanation you got from both um, uh, Goody Hutchings' office and Tony Wakem's office? Is that the understanding? I got it it from Tony uh, Wakem's office. Now, Tony Wakem didn't say that, and his assistant didn't say that. Somebody from Service Canada said that. And they just passed on the information to you? Yeah. And did you get any clearer or any kind of other explanation from the MP? From his uh, what, I, what I got from Goody Hutchings' office is... Because um, that's more their ballywick, right? I mean, we're talking CRA, and we're talking taxes, and... And you know what? If they're doing just... What my question was is, are they doing this? to ABE students right across Canada? Yeah, no, that's my question too. And I really, you know, you said off the top <laughs> that you do taxes trouble in your family. I was going to ask you if you do mine for me because uh, <laughs> putting it off here, but uh, I have a great tax preparer, but, you know, uh, since you thought, I thought you were offering, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> my question is the same. Um, you know, I am tax, not illiterate. I mean, you know, I can handle my own, but when it comes to the intricacies of federal versus provincial programs, what's exempt, what's taxable, what's not, um, I'm going to need some direction on this one. But if you're told that this is the way it is and there's a reason for it, but you don't really have any kind of rationale as to why it's that way, is that right? Well, it, let me just say first that I don't do my taxes. There's a wonderful accountant. <laughs> okay. His name is Thurl White, and he's he's got a wonderful sense of humor, and he's very <laughs> He does our taxes, and he's wonderful. Oh, my God, you need a sense of humor for that stuff. Okay, good. That's you good. You do. And, good and attribute. Thurl, because he's, but Thurl told me that it's, it's, it's been like that for a while, and it's specifically only for the ABE students. But what I was told by Goody Hutchings' office is to, um, on one of the forms is a T14 and another one is a T12, that on, on one of the forms you just fill in the tuition there, and on another form you would, depending on the form, you get a T12 or a T14. I'm not really sure. Sure. But, or a 4, T4, or T2, or something like that. <sighs> Yeah. But the thing is, is that what I'm getting is they, Tony Wakem's office is kind of saying, well, you know, you can't solve it all, the problems in the day, but if we could just help Jack or just just help my son. Sure. Okay? Go to bat for your constituent, sure. But, and, and that's wonderful. And I, you know, but the thing is, is that they know that they're doing this and you know what? Most people who are in ABE, I'm not saying most, I'm not going to generalize. I'm going to say people who are in ABE, they're going there because they didn't get their high school because something happened. 
and now they're making a real effort to try to right that wrong. Exactly. And now they're adults. Which is not easy. And some of them have children, and some of them are married, and some of them are, you know, know, what, like, life has so much, you know, so much baggage. And so you have these people who are trying, they're trying to better their life, you know, make themselves a better life, make the world a better place by being a better person in it. And they're being discriminated Mm. against. And who, so apparently this has been going on for quite some time. The Service Canada said to the school, you're not allowed. And the school's got its hands tied. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm the one who does, gets the taxes done. So I'm saying, hold on a second here. This is discrimination. So I'm speaking up for my son. But what about all the other people yep. that are going to school, that are struggling, that don't have a lot of money? And then, I'll, like, when I said to my son, you've got to pay $3,076, he said, Mom, where am I going to get the money for that? Because his income was so low last year that, if anything, he should get taxed back, not having to pay this huge amount in. And so if they give me directions, I will take the directions and fill in the forms so that my son is not discriminated against because I'm not going to allow that. But what about everybody else? Karen, it's a good question, and I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. What about everyone else? Is there anyone else out there in the same boat? I'm sure there are. If you're, if this is some kind of, you know, again, I speak ignorance to it because when it comes to taxes, especially anything outside of what's been affecting me, taxes, I just avoid them like the plague, but uh, just, you know, like everyone else, just get it over with, and then all of a sudden the next year is back. But I, on this one, if anyone else out there has a similar story, we would love to hear about it because, it, you know, it, it can't just be an isolated. It's certainly not just your son. And you make the point, you know, like it's challenging enough to be able to, for an adult to be able to swallow the prize, especially if you've got younger kids and they're in school, and just admitting that you didn't get all your schooling and that you may actually have trouble reading and writing. That's enough of a hurdle to get over. If you've got to start facing financial challenges on top of that, it can be demoralizing and can defeat you. So, you know, they need anyone going through adult-based education and trying to better themselves because they weren't able to do it when they were younger. They need all the support you can get. And to be throwing up, bar- you know, obstacles or barriers like taxes, that's just, ugh. Yeah, now, I don't have a full explanation, and there may be some kind of actuarial, in-deep, thin-depth uh, reasoning behind this. If there is, I'd love to hear it and someone to explain it clearly and concisely. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> to me, there won't be one because they've been beaten all around the bush. The government so far has been beaten around the bush. And you can't take a group of people and say, because when in these private schools, tuition is really high. And the very high majority of students who attend private schools yep. are funded. Absolutely. Yep. So what they have the funding for it. Yep. They have the funding. Subsidized. For it. If you're taking home support worker, you're going to get a T2202A. If you're taking um, business administration, you're going to get a T2202A. If you're taking an office administration, you're going to get a T2202A. You're going to, everybody's going to, but UABE students, you're not getting it. Karen, it's a, uh, it's a horrible situation to be in. I wish you nothing but the best. I got to get to break, but thank you for okay. calling. Please follow up and let us know how this goes. If you get any more information specifics on how this happens, I'm sure I'm getting a couple of emails here now that uh, are sending links to the actual uh, tax page, but God knows I'll, I'll have to take a weekend off if I want to get into that. But I appreciate okay. the call and good luck with your son and the taxes. Thank you. If you get any emails that would help me, you you have my phone number. The other gentleman took my phone number. Yes, Fonce is nodding his head through the glass. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and then I'll, I'll uh, just tell yep. them to give me a call and I'll give them my email address. Line 256 of a return. That's what I'm told, but I haven't had a chance to link on it here now. But, but if you don't have a T2202A, you can't. Like, I don't even know how much money Jack paid. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say my first name. That's okay. Name. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how much money he paid in tuition because I don't have the T2202A, so I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So I, I could go back and, you know. I hear you. Yep. You got to have that amount before you can you fill got, it in. You got to have that. Somebody has to give us that. But I will follow up with you and let you know how it all works out. Or Patty. Sure. Yes. And thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to me. Thank you so much for taking the time to call. Appreciate right. it. You thank you, Karen. Good luck. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Uh, off to a quick break. Be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to the program. Back into the home stretch. I'm Brian Callahan in for Patty Daly today on Open Line. Quickly, Fonts, we've got a lost backpack somewhere. Well, it's a found backpack. Got a call from a, uh, a listener who uh, picked up a knapsack on the uh, Team Guju Highway. And the Team Guju Highway? The Team Guju Highway. Okay, I'm going to ask our next caller right. if he knows anything if about that. If he knows that. anything about this backpack that was found on we'll the do. Team Guju Highway. So if you're missing your knapsack, your your book bag, uh, give us a call, 273-5211, and we'll get in touch with that uh, good Samaritan. Awesome. Okay, well, let's just uh, go to our next caller who happens to be Brad Guju. Brad, thanks for calling back into Open Line. Um, welcome to the program. No, thanks for having me. Man, oh man, I'm sure you're done with the media, but thanks for doing us. Uh, thanks for doing the hometown Open Line for us. I know you've been in demand, and rightly so, as the winningest skip ever of Briars in the country. Historic. How does that grab you? How do you get your head around that? Um, to be honest, I haven't. Uh, it, it's a very, very short night. We had a we had a good party after we won last night and a couple hours rest, and I, I really haven't gotten my head around what we've been able to achieve. And and uh, even over the last, you know, what six seven years, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, but it's it's kind of fun being in the middle of it and having these opportunities and just trying to soak it up and enjoy it as much as I can. Let's just talk generally about the week. I mean, um, there's no question Matt was on fire all week. I mean, when you go on beating and around Robin, until he came up against you, were you kind of keeping an eye? Did, do, do you follow their game plans and the way they're playing with an eye to that? Or are you just in the moment, it's, it's rock, it's end-to-end, eight good stones? Yeah, so at the beginning of the week where it was in two different pools, we didn't really worry too much about the other pool. We were just making sure we got through our pool, got to the, the championship round and the playoffs, and when we came up against Matt, obviously we, we knew how well he was playing and, and that he was making those runbacks and the big shots that he, you know, he was making all week. Uh, we knew those were going to be a, a challenge for us and we're going to have to, we'd have to position our stones pretty, pretty well exactly where we wanted. Yeah. Um, and then we were able to do that. I think our, our game in the, in the semifinal or the one, two game uh, on, I right. guess, probably Saturday was was arguably one of the best games I've ever been a part of. That steal, uh, that steal in the 10th. I mean, yeah. it was as perfect a game as you can imagine. Nobody expected yeah. anyone to miss. It was it was it was wild and and uh it took a lot out of me. I can't imagine <laughs> Matt having to turn around and go out and play uh. against Botcher yesterday morning and and then come up against us like he must have been absolutely drained cuz it is a physically mentally grueling week and 
you know, we're lucky to, to have come out on top. Uh, but, yeah, you got to give credit to Matt. Uh, they're going to be a team that we're going to hear a lot about over the next 10 or 15 years. You said it. For him to be able to come back, and, I mean, that's how much sports psychology has to do with the game these days. For him, I think everybody saw the cameras stayed on him for a while Saturday night after not making that shot. And I think I even saw you kind of glance up toward him because you go for the handshakes. And he was yep. still down with his head down in his lap. And I saw quickly his coach, Kingsbury, came over and just consoled him. But, boy, all I could wonder in that moment was if he manages to get back to the final, he's going to be even tougher than he was in that game. Yeah, and those those experiences are what really make you grow as an athlete. Sometimes uh, the tough losses or the big misses help accelerate you know that development more so than the wins. So, you know, I, I think he'll learn from that that experience and come back even stronger, which is not good news for us over the next <laughs> few years. But um, yeah, it was it was a tough tough loss for him. But you, you have to give him credit; he was a they their team put on an incredible show and and really took every bit of you know uh, ability and, and strength that we had to come through that game. Like they they pushed us to the limit, and, and fortunately we we came out on top. I just want to touch briefly, uh, briefly on EJ. I mean, uh, you know, you've, there's a there's a chemistry to a team. People come and go, and you add players and lose players. I mean, you and Mark have been the stalwarts, but, you know, the question I always ask, how will EJ fit in? I mean, you really kind of don't know until you start playing some matches and some tournaments together. Um, just speak a little bit to what he was able to add to the team. Yeah, he brings uh, an energy. Like, he, he's so intense during the games, and, and we saw that this week like as the week went on and, and we started to get closer to the playoffs that that intensity kind of came through, and, and it feeds right through the whole team. And, and when you have that intensity, it, it allows you to be you know, even more precise in, in your rock placement, and in, in there's no letdown. And I think that uh, you know, when, when we came up against Matt and his team who were executing those, those big weight hits so well, having that intensity and in, in that pinpoint precision that we were able to have is important. So, you know, he was a critical part of our success and, you know, I've really enjoyed playing with him this year. We've been rooming together on the road and, cool. and uh, yeah. definitely turned into a good friend and, and certainly enjoying the, the experience with him so far. Amazing. It speaks volumes too. I think you guys gave up one steal in seven games leading up. I mean, uh, one steal. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> we, we, we played. We played pretty well. I, you know, we started off rough. Um, you know, I. I, I and you weren't feeling the best either. Don't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to get to that. You, you know, you had some injury issue, and you're feeling. I mean, uh, you know, Vic Router. Everybody just commented on how good you seemed to get throughout the week, as opposed to an injury setting you back a bit, eh? Yeah, Jim, we started off slow. We we hadn't played in two months, and and we had a training camp about a week before, or the weekend before, we headed up to the Briar, and and I was feeling incredibly good, like as good as I have in years, and and I overdid it. <laughs> so I I practiced practiced too too hard, threw too many rocks, and and things tightened up on me, and um you know that that kind of led to a little bit to our slow start, but you know we had uh, we had some help up there and, and got things uh, back into in decent shape, and um. Yeah, it was it was a slow start, but I it was not unexpected having not played in a in an event in two months and and being a new team as well. Like we're still still feeling things out with EJ and and uh, you know we were able to to build as the week went on, and I thought we got much much better each and every game that we played. Yeah, now um, and getting to of course the Worlds next month. Not much time for rest at all for the weary. So. How do you keep that, you know, I mean, you're almost supposed to want a little bit of time off. you got to be able to really balance it with how much should we stay away from the rink in preparation for the Worlds. How do you prepare for that mentally and physically? 
Yeah, that's that's a big challenge with the quick turnaround because you, you you do need the rest after a week like we just had, um, but then you also have to you know ramp back up and 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 be ready for for World Championship and you know I think we leave in only two and a half weeks, so <laughs> you know the plan is really probably take a week off uh, after this and and then start to build back up and and you know get your game back in in the in the shape. But uh, I think the biggest thing over the next week is make sure that we, we get our energy back, any physical ailments that we have, get those taken care of and hopefully in, in good shape and, and then be ready to, to go in Ottawa. So it's, it's a grueling period of we've, we've been fortunate enough now, this is our fifth time going through it. Um, so I, I think we have some experience and we can build on that, but if, but it's a challenge, you know, playing two big events in such a yeah. short period of time. Yeah. You got to watch the rust too, I guess. Um, yeah, and- you can't take too much time off because you're right. You could get a little rusty, and, and uh, you don't want technical flaws. So it's it's a fine balance, and hopefully we can find that uh, find that right balance. I guess. Just quickly, some good old rivals going to be at the Worlds. Uh, at least it's in Ottawa, right? So you're not traveling overseas. There's no major jet lag. You're in the area. So it's are you just going to stay up there uh, until then, or? Oh no, no, we'll we'll be back in, in okay. St. John's for for a couple oh. weeks. Uh, but you're right, yeah, some some good teams: Bruce Mallett, Nicholas Adine. Um, Adine well, is really like, your nemesis, hasn't he been for a while? Uh, well, <laughs> Do you want to call? He's beat us in in a few events. Um, you know, I think over the long term, we've we've had a better run against him. But certainly in the last couple of years, he's he's beaten us more than than we've beaten him. So I think that as you mentioned, the positive is. It's here in Canada, and I think we're we're likely going to get some really good ice, which is something we haven't had in the last couple yeah. of World Championships and, and Olympics that we were at. So, you know, I think that's going to be to our benefit. Um, so we're we're looking forward to it, but it's not easy. It's not just Nicholas. There's a lot of really good teams in sure. the in the world. Um, Joel Retornas from Italy is, yes. is another really good team. I think they're ranked fourth in the world. So. Uh, lots of good teams. It's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be just as tough as, as what the Briar was. Yeah, and it speaks volumes to where the game has come from and gone. I mean, when you're talking about Italy being forces at the World Curling Championships, I'm not so sure so long ago that would have been the case. I mean, we've always had the Scotlands and the and the Swedens and, you know, the, 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 you know, the basic uh, curling powers in the world. But this... It's always interesting where everybody's sort of come uh, to a better skill level around the world, more people picking up the game. That uh, you know the world's is no, it's not just Canada is the favorite anymore. Hey, no offense. No, no, you're you're right. The Olympics has definitely helped grow the game, and and a lot of the other countries they don't have the depth that Canada has, but they they have you know one or two teams that they put a lot of money into, a lot of funding, a lot of resources behind those teams, and they've gotten better and better. And and you know Italy is a great example of that. Uh, you know Sweden's a good example. Uh, some of the Asian countries are are you know, good examples as well, particularly on the women's side where they have, you know, one or maybe two really, really good teams. Um, you know, we're in Canada, we have, you know, seven or eight, depending on, uh, you know, the, the, gen- the gender. So uh, we definitely have the depth, but there's, there's a lot of really good teams around the world. Absolutely. Uh, Brad, look, I can't thank you enough. I, I, mean, I know you know how much this win meant to all of Newfoundland and Labrador, the pride that, that just oozes out of this province when you guys pull off something like you did last night. And not just, I mean, you know, we've watched the great ones over the years. I mean, you now have more titles than Ernie Richardson. Uh, and yeah, I does it, yeah. and I know you said it hasn't sunk in, but at least the reality of that uh, kind of hits home a little bit. 
Yeah, that that, <laughs> that kind of hits me a little bit. I have a, a huge amount of respect for Ernie and, and what he was able to do. I know it's you know we're looking at 60, 60 years ago, but um, I've gotten to meet Ernie a couple times, and, and certainly an idol of mine. What he was able to achieve and and to pass what he oh, he did. The I, I Express. It's hard to com- hard to compare, but um, you know that's pretty special. And, and you talked about the support. You know, we we feel it. You know, we hear it. We see it. You know, we sense it everywhere we go. And and you know, we've been fortunate enough to to play a lot of events around the world in in the last few years. And no matter where we go, we seem to be the fan favorites. And I, I think that's just uh, you know the Newfoundland people yeah. coming out and supporting us. And, oh and we had so many people that traveled up to Ottawa that came up to watch us and, and I want to thank them for the support and everybody at home, you know, my Twitter feed and my text messages, all that stuff is blown up today. So yep. uh, just trying Rightly to get through so. it. So if you haven't heard from me, uh, <laughs> I'll try and get the, if I don't, I apologize. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been awesome. My God, the number of Newfoundland flags in the crowd uh, was wild. And of course, Marek had his kids there and your family and your, and the Guju girls. And it just looked great on TV. I was going to ask you though, too, the last thing I'll let you go. Um, I know there was an interview on TSN last night, and you kind of joked. They said, you know, you and Mark have been together a long time, and I think you said something like, and I'm sorry to bring this up, yeah, too long. I am assuming that was just totally sarcastic and ingest. Oh, that, that, that was completely <laughs> sarcastic. I, after I said that, I knew someone would, would bring it up. <laughs> Anybody that knows me, that's kind of my, my sense of humor. Uh, obviously, love playing with Mark. but Yes, uh, please. And we, we have been together a long time, so um, yeah, that was that was just me with uh, a, a lame attempt at humor. <laughs> well, impressive to say the least, because we all know dynasties yeah. are being able to keep a team together. That's that's you know one of the greatest challenges overall, and and keeping together long enough to get as good as you guys have gotten. So yeah. I don't know if there's a better one too in the game ever, and I think people will agree with that after what you've accomplished. So, and you're now the winningest skip of all time at the Briar, not just for titles, but you've won more games than anyone at the Briar as a skip. Yeah, I've been, been there a lot. That, that kind of helps, but we've. we've I don't mean make feel, feel too old or anything, but. Yeah, no, I, we've had a lot of success over, particularly over the last eight or ten years, and and you know, fortunate. But it's it's been a lot of hard work that we put into it, and and I've been at it now for thirty years, and and anybody that knows me and has been around me, uh, certainly at the curling club, is has seen the uh, the effort that myself and Mark and Jeff and 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 EJ have put in, and and I think it's just. Uh, we're seeing the fruits of our labor at this point. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to go down. I'll just ask you really quickly, and I'll let you go, so I lied. Um, you know, we are, there is the whole issue of the Ballyhaley Curling Club, and I know we can talk of this about some other time, but I'm sure uh, that's close to your heart too, you know, knowing that we're down to one. So um, what are your thoughts just briefly on that? I, you know, are we going to have to just bring the community together and build a new one or what? Well, yeah, it's obviously disappointing that uh, that we're going to lose curling ice in the, in the city. I, th- I think there's uh, there's a demand for more of it. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get something to put together. Uh, you know, there's some some talks already uh, with different people at at the club and and in the sporting community that uh, maybe we can get something together. But the the positive is that those conversations are happening. Yeah. Uh, the negative is, you know, it's it's probably we're looking at years in the future. You know, it's it's going to be two, three, four years, best case, uh, before we're ever we're able to replace those those sheets of ice. So, um, you know, it's it's disappointing, but uh, you know, hopefully we can come to a solution that's going to going to be better for the game in the city. Yeah, it'd be a total shame to not seize you know all the popularity that you guys have caused. Let's face it, success at the game. 
that just trickles right down to the younger set. So it'd be a shame not to be able to to to, to grasp that and put them find a new rink for everybody to go. So there's uh, so there's lots of space and lots of ice. Brad Guju, thank you again. Congratulations on behalf of the entire province right now. Um, we can't wait for the worlds. No, I appreciate it, and uh, you know, thanks to everybody out there for all the support we you've given us over the years. We appreciate it, and hopefully, we'll continue to uh, do you guys proud. Oh yes, and by the way, someone just sent me a note. The young team from NL. Oh my God, I'd be remiss. Quick word about the Youngs. Such a yeah, young team, Lorna. Yeah, they're a great young team. Obviously, they uh, they're not even out of juniors yet, and uh, <laughs> yeah. they've now been to the Briar twice, and the experience that they gained. Yeah. Uh, over the last two years, is going to serve them really well. And, you know, hopefully they go off to the, the juniors now at the end of March and, and play the way they're capable of playing. And if they do the, if they do that, I, I think they can come home as, uh, as champions. So uh, cheering for them, and, and uh, hopefully they, uh, they play the way they're capable. And go Curtis Rink, too. Listen, Brad, thanks again. Um, can't thank you enough for giving us the time. So much to talk about, so little time, but appreciate it again. Good luck. All right. Thanks, guys. Take thanks. care. That is Brad Guju, the winningest skip of all time uh, at the Briar for Canada. It's just incredible. What an accomplishment. So we went on for a long, long, but well-deserved chat with Brad Guju. We're going to take a quick break and come back to wrap up the show. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. And welcome back to the program. Just enough time to say thank you to all the callers and emailers that made this so much easier this morning. That's my second time hosting fonts like last time, a few months ago, so I couldn't remember everything, but uh, great callers, great work. Uh, of course, the one and only Fonts King behind the glass producing the show today. <clears throat> Sorry, I really can't tell you who's in the big chair tomorrow, but there will be an open line for sure. can tell you that much. Thanks, everyone, again. I'm Brian Callahan. Drive safely, arrive alive. VOCM cares.